Cristo. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. As this is a main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is a new era of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your co-host, Troy. And with me today is Jason. It feels a little less crowded Jason. up in here tonight. I don't know. It, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, little, we uh, we've decided to go. Yeah, we've decided to go starch free, so we got rid of the potato, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we've got a lot to talk about because that's what the show is. It's a once a week show, jam packed with all the shit that you want to talk about. So let's go ahead and get it out of the way right off the bat. It's time to talk about Joey Ryan's dick. I feel like there should be some right, sort of so an audio <laughs> drop here or something. Hey, you're going to be editing it. Go for it. <laughs> put, them on, put it in it. All right. So the, the internet's been going a little crazy over the past, I would say, year and a half now. Because professional wrestler Joey Ryan does a, a, a move where a guy will grab his dick not his own dick but Joey Ryan's dick and because Joey Ryan's dick is so massive and so powerful he is able to flip that person the, using nothing but his penis the penis plex yes the penis plex yes and everyone's going crazy about this saying that it's ruining the business and oh it's exposing and stuff like that but you know what uh, you know, Chuck Nelson not Chuck Nelson Chuck Taylor has been doing comedy matches for years. Santino Morella took a sock out of his pants, put it on his hand, and hit people with a cobra strike. And that was the finishing of it. This isn't ruining the business. It's a comedy match. It's funny. And you know what else? It's actually helping the business. Because nobody was fucking talking about Joey Ryan until he started flipping, flipping motherfuckers with his dick. And more and more people have been watching wrestling and watching his matches and also the rest of the card surrounding his match because he's been, been flipping motherfuckers with his dick. <laughs> So, <clears throat> I know the Cornets of the world, the Tuna Meltzers of the world, the fucking uh, everybody else in the world, sitting there and saying that, oh, this is terrible, this is terrible. It's fine. You know what? It's not, he's not winning a championship with his dick, all right? He's Joey Ryan. He's always been kind of a comedy act. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so... Hold on, before I before I weigh in on this, we didn't do touch on this yet, so let me do this. Uh, if you look on your YouTube page on the right hand side of the thing, you'll have a little chat box there. We call it the Smathers Lounge, or at least we did. I don't know if we're going to change the name of it now. We'll see if Smathers shows up. Uh, but it's where you can share your thoughts, opinions, anything you want to say to the show. Tell us to go fuck ourselves. We don't care. Uh, but enter it right in there, and uh, it'll show up for us. We'll read it on the show, and uh, hopefully you'll appreciate our thoughts on your comments. In any event, uh, back to your point troy the 
uh, to me, it comes down to a philosophical difference. There are your old school wrestling people who will look at that stuff and, and the cruiserweight stuff and the light heavyweight stuff and the flippy stuff. And they'll say that's not wrestling because that's not the wrestling that they grew up with. And I, I know people, I know promoters who feel this way. I've, I've heard people say this in locker rooms and things of that nature and bookers. And my response to that has always sort of been the same thing, which is like, that's the equivalent of opening an ice cream shop and saying, I only like vanilla ice cream, so I'm only fucking serving vanilla ice cream and you can't get anything else here. You don't have to like it. There's a section of your audience that does, so fucking give the paying crowd what they want to see. To not do that, you're cutting off your nose to spite the face. I'm not a huge fan of the Joey Ryan penis stuff. I, you know, it, It's good in very small doses and it's done when it's done right. When it's done to the ridiculous, uh, like I saw one where they did like a chain of 17 guys doing the penis plex, right. it's, then it's just a little ridiculous. But as a stupid gimmick, once in a while, I don't have a problem with it. I Again, not for me, but I understand the attraction of it for other people. I understand that it has a niche audience, and I don't have a problem with it. Exactly. And uh, and that's kind of the case I'm going with as, as well. Do I, I like it? No, because I think it's dumb. But do I think that it's ruining the business? Fuck no. Come on. Well, get over yourself. Well, there is. there. Okay, so there's an element to that for those people who still believe that. And, and I can sort of understand where they're coming from. For wrestling to work really well, you have to be able to suspend your disbelief. You have to be able to believe subconsciously or somewhere in a part of you that what you're looking at is at least somewhat credible. Um, you know Bruce Willis isn't throwing Hans Gruber off the top of the Nakatomi Tower, but... All he, I'm saying is one of those guys is dead and the other one is not at this point. <laughs> but he's the, the characters aren't staring at you and laughing and pointing along the way. They're, they're portraying it as though it's serious. This is sort of the same thing. What the, the cornets of the world want to put over is that you have to portray the business as being serious otherwise the fans can't buy it and it's not good for anybody down the road and i sort of understand where they're coming from on that okay the way i look at it too is um i used to be a fan of adam sandler movies Mm -hmm. right and then he did the same exact thing over and over again and his movies are garbage. And I don't watch his movies anymore. And I look at this the same way. Where at first I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. He flipped to do this dick. Okay, that's kind of funny. Now he he had a woman do it to him. And now it's, okay, now you're just flipping Mick Foley, who shouldn't be in the ring anyways. All right, this is that's that's kind of enough. But but again, like I said, I don't I don't rip my hair out of it because I watched a match where a, a motherfucker pretended to throw a grenade into the middle of the ring mm-hmm. and land on it and get blown up. I mean, it's not for me, but I also don't think that uh, that that that's the reason why people aren't tuning into WWE anymore. No, and I think a bad, uh, and most bad of the stuff happening. <laughs> And most of the stuff we're talking about is sort of done on your indie shows where it's not really expected to be. The internet has sort of made this stuff viral. It's generally supposed to be just for the live crowd and to get a little buzz going for an indie promotion. YouTube has sort of made it so this stuff goes national as soon as it happens. Uh, there was one, I want to say it was over in England somewhere, where they did a like gay dance party in the middle of a match. where The Backstreet Boys broke <clears throat> out and everybody started slow dancing and shit. It's a stupid gimmick in the middle of a match. It's 
for guys in a lot of cases who aren't your top flight performers who are there to serve a purpose as entertaining uh, the crowd with what they do. And in this case, it, it's one of those things where some people are going to like it, some people aren't. But again, you can't refuse to serve the crowd that wants it. Yeah. You know, there's there's also that uh, that kind of famous, infamous match where uh, Kota Ibushi has a kiss off with a dude. Mm-hmm. And they keep kissing each other. And it keeps, and just, there's just so many boners in the crowd. Anyways, uh, we've officially spent way too much time on Joey Ryan's dick. Uh, <laughs> so. Let's move on to the main event of the show, the WWE portion of our show. Let's get off this fucking indie shit. I guess I guess we're going to start off with this. I think we're going to start. Because well, she's the, a monster. Oh, okay, you're going to go there. To me, the biggest story of the week is Baron Corbin. If we want to do Baron Corbin, that means we got to listen to a sale voicemail. Are you drunk enough to listen to a sale voicemail? I think for the sake of the audience, we should lead with the most interesting thing. So I'm willing to sacrifice listening to a sale voicemail for this. All right, all right, all right. Well, good thing I figured this, you're probably going to try to do that to me because I got it already here. All right. All right, here is your sale voicemail of the week. Uh-oh, it's not working. Hold on, let's start again. What's up, Jason and Troy? You leaders of the rundown. I wanted to call this week to talk about the story that everybody's talking about from SmackDown last night. And that is Baron Corbin has cashed in his money in the bank and he lost, he lost to Jinder Mahal thanks to a distraction by John Cena. And a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter and the rest of the internet wrestling community was pissed off and on fire that Corbin lost. How could they do that to Corbin? How could they do that to the money in the bank? Guys, I don't agree with any of that. I think it was a shocking move. I think you doing it the night before or the show before SummerSlam was key to take that storyline out of the equation since every internet smart already booked Corbin to cash in on Nakamura. Now, as far as why it happened, if he doesn't please Vince backstage, if Vince didn't see something in him, or if he lost uh, his appreciation for Corbin, we'll never know the real story, but I thought they made it work for the story. You know, he could have come out with a lot of piss and vinegar to go at Cena at SummerSlam, and now Jinder and Shinsuke can have their match without any thought of Baron Corbin hovering over them. I love the idea that the money in the bank is not a guarantee. You have to make a smart decision, and Baron Corbin did not do that. Talk to you guys later. Either Sal was taking a gigantic shit, or he was exercising because he was out of breath during that thing. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we know where Sal lands on this. I think you're probably going to uh, to back him up a little bit. So let me give my take on this, and then we'll get to uh, to you. I don't have a problem with a failed cash-in attempt. Don't have a problem with it. We've seen it with Sandow. It sucked for him, but he had a great match, and if the booking would have been better for him, he could have propelled past that because he had such a good match with Cena. Uh, You know, Cena won his match, but won by DQ. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, You know, the, the gimmick itself is always built in as it can happen anytime, you know, um, if, if they wanted to just turn around and be like, look, we've got two of these, uh, 
we can either do both of them cash in and are successful both of them cash in and lose which would maybe hurt the gimmick pretty much or we can have one lose and one win i don't have a problem with the big breakfast losing my problem with was the way he lost because as we were just talking about you know being able to you know to suspend your your belief your disbelief he got rolled up and lost without taking a single hit of damage this wasn't like Cena hit him or even like Cena got back in the ring, AA'd him while the ref was, was waiting for Jinder to get back. It was literally he went and took a swing at, at, at Cena, got rolled up, and then I don't know if Jinder was supposed to put his feet on the ropes because he didn't. He just beat him. And now Baron Corbin has the record for the shortest WWE title match in history. <laughs> so do I have a problem with him him? failing the cash in no do i have a problem with the way he failed the cash in yes because i think that it it makes him look really dumb um and his character is that he he's kind of aloof and, and cocky and doesn't care that's that's fine but just i just didn't like the way that that he lost because i think that you're you're wasting an opportunity there you know and we look back at the fact that you know of what could have been with this match too or, or with this briefcase where we gave it to Baron Corbin to have him lose in six seconds when that match had Shinsuke Nakamura, had Kevin Owens, who would have been a fucking fantastic Money in the Bank holder. You know, it had AJ Styles. It had a lot of better people. It had Sami Zayn, who can't even get booked on the card at this point. So, um, you know, I would have even been fine. And the other thing, too, is I look at it as, okay, well, where do we go from here? Well, same old kind of thing. Jinder goes on to his match. Cena goes on to face a big breakfast. And either Corbin loses, which hurts him, you know, pushes him further down the card, or he wins and maybe he can propel back and get into the title scene. But if he would have cashed in and been successful, think of what that would have done for SummerSlam. That would have created some intrigue because now you've got, okay, well, now Cena suddenly has a title shot. And now Shinsuke and Jinder are sitting there going, well, wait, what about us? And obviously, we don't want to do another Fatal 4 because we're doing that for the Universal title. But you can at least kind of build a story from there and, and kind of have these four guys be the focal point of, you know, the of the main event scene going forward. So that's my take on it. Um, I'm interested to hear what you got to say. Okay. Well, before we do it, let me just catch up on the side. We got Kenny uh, Lockhart uh, stopping by to say hello. Uh Wants to let us know that he was at Raw and I was in Boston. Kenny usually hits the shows up in Boston and says he's uh, the next one's going to be Clash of the Champions in December. And I'm sure he's looking forward to it. And then says that Troy rocks. So you got a fan in Kenny. Uh, Sweet. So now on to my thoughts on the cash-in. You know, I know you kind of got some of my take because we discussed it in the host thread quite a bit. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I was a big fan of it for a couple reasons. Um you talked about the way it was done, and I thought there were some very subtle intricacies about the way it was done that were sort of brilliant. Starting with, um, at one point, well, the referee's trying to get Jinder up. The camera is looking at Corbin, and you can kind of see him still looking back at Cena. And some people think that's a botch on camera, like he was just waiting for Cena to get up and kind of giving away what was going to happen. To me, that was his character portraying paranoia as Cena. He's got Cena on the brain. He's obsessed with Cena leading into this match at SummerSlam. And that Cena getting into his head allowed him or cost him his opportunity. To me, this makes the match at SummerSlam way more interesting. Um, As for the schoolboy and not putting his feet on the ropes or anything like that, 
keeping in mind, in India, this is India's Independence Day, which he made quite a bit out of at the beginning of the show. Uh, and he's a face in India. So on this particular occasion, as a face in India, he didn't cheat to win the match, but he did it in such a way, a schoolboy's not a move that needs a precursor or a violent move to, to set it up. It's supposed to be a shocker. It's supposed to be a quick catch a guy off balance and, and he's almost shocked. So I, that, that didn't bother me either. I thought this was brilliant. I thought nobody saw it coming. We sit here and bitch and bitch and bitch that stuff is too predictable. It's too boring. We see it coming. We know what's going to happen. Nobody, not one single person outside of the guys in that mm. locker room knew this was coming. Nobody would have guessed it. And it puts SummerSlam on a whole different level of intrigue than we had going in. A lot of people going into SummerSlam had the, the plot mapped out very easily. Corbin loses to Cena. Nakamura wins. Corbin cashes in on Nakamura. Then we go with Corbin and Nakamura going forward. That's all out the window now. Now you have to completely rethink what you thought was going to happen at this show. And I think that makes it interesting. This is what a go-home show should do. It should increase the questions going into the show. It should increase the anticipation and the, the I don't know what's going to happen factor. And that's exactly what they did. And they also did it in a way where future Money in the Bank people, you'll have to rethink about the obviousness of them becoming World Heavyweight Champion. Right on. I, I will say this is the first time that uh, an American crowd has chanted for, cheered for Jinder, so that was nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will also point um, out there have been three failed cash-ins in Money in the Bank, and all three have involved John Cena in some way, shape, or form. That is true. That is very true. <clears throat> um, it did kind of continue that John Cena is a dick. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> see it that way. Thing. But he caught he, he there was no reason for him to get back up on that apron. I'm sorry, didn't did he got back I'm sorry, up. didn't Corbin just cost him a match by hitting him with the briefcase? Oh, he definitely did. So Corbin is but Corbin is a dick too. So Cena <laughs> That was the great thing about it is is this no no I'm you're 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 taking me because I'm normally so negative about <sighs> it, you're taking me the wrong way on this. I'm happy with it because it's a different if it did, it's a different take on Cena. It's him actually having a little bit of revenge in him. You know, he's not just, oh, well, I lost. Like he has been in the past where he hasn't even asked for, for title rematches. This was a, hey, this motherfucker cost me a match. I'm going to cost him this this big opportunity, which would normally be a heel thing. But because it's Cena, uh, eh. I th so I'm. I was okay with I was okay with it it with, with him being a dick at, at this and getting back up there and being like I'm gonna fuck with this no guy. no see because we've absolutely seen this before think back to last year's Night of Champions Cena beats Seth Rollins for the U S title Seth goes to leave Cena hits him with the AA on the outside then throws him back into the ring before he gets to paralyze Sting so mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so Cena's displayed this this hostility towards people who have screwed him over in the past I mean Seth broke his nose True. he had a lot of personal issues in that feud. And uh, he it came out in, in the same kind of way in that. So I have no. I, I thought it was cool. I, I think this is nothing out of character for Cena, and I thought it was good. Um, I am ten times more interested in what happens with Baron Corbin going forward now than I was before the cash-in. I'm ten times more interested in, in the, the title match now than I was before the cash-in. So they accomplished everything they needed to accomplish on a go-home show, and all it cost them was the Money in the Bank briefcase. And at the end of the day, if Corbin was going to be World Heavyweight Champion, he's still going to be World Heavyweight Champion somewhere down the road. They're just going to get there in a different way, and I'm fine with that. We're telling stories, people. Yeah, that that's true. And another thing, too, is I'm uh, we've had far more interest in 
the ladies' money in the bank than we have in the males. Exactly. Um, you know, Corbin carrying that thing around hasn't really felt like he's been dangerous with it that much. You know, there was when when Seth had it, you constantly thought this is it. Right. He's cashing in. He's cashing in. This is it. So you know, Baron coming down there, and and the other thing too is you know last week, Jinder Mahal was laid out in the middle of the ring, and there was no Baron Corbin to be found. Right. And that same night, Naomi was laid out in the middle of the ring. No Carmella to be found. Right. So, well, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Naomi was laid out after losing a match to Carmella. That was what made it even yeah. dumber. All Carmella had yeah. to do was hand the fucking briefcase, pin her again, and go, yeah. okay, I'm champion now. You're like, oh, I did this once already. She's still out. Right. Maybe I'll get a couple more forearm shots of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty um, bad. And I will say this. To my point that it's a storytelling device if this was simply a case of we don't want Corbin to have the briefcase, we're sick of Corbin, the, the, what the internet rumors are reporting, oh, we didn't like his Twitter activity. Um, if it were a case of that, I would say to you, if you believe that, if that's what it was, they would simply have had him defend, it, defend the case against Cena or somebody else and lose the case. They would keep the case in play and take it off of Corbin because they've done that before, asked Mr. Kennedy. Um, so... The fact that they had him unsuccessfully cash in tells me that this was done very specifically to be a storytelling um, item, a storytelling mechanism. We, you know, we're always waiting. We're always looking for a reason behind something. And and that's kind of the thing was where it's easy to, for us to turn around. He's got to have heat on somebody. Oh, he must have heat on somebody. Oh, Sasha Banks was, a, was on 205 Live. She's got to have heat, for, heat was on somebody. But no. no, that wasn't the case. They were trying to get more eyes on 205 Live. Right. And this here, yeah, I, you know, do I think he had he was somebody? No, because this was that would have been really quickly for them to sour on the guy, and they they keep pushing him. Right. So, you know, I mean, you know, it, it it's the only thing that thing that I was really disappointed on with this whole thing was the fact that he was still wearing a shirt, so we couldn't see how sad his ch- his chest was. You know, but he ripped it off at the end, so we did see it. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and it did look sad. He was like yes. crying, Jordan. It's a very Auto sad belly button. Uh, how mm-hmm. how has somebody not photoshopped crying Jordan onto his belly button yet? That needs to happen. Somebody has. has somebody okay. has. I have it. I could send it all right, to you. Yes, please do so. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we're going to go uh, from that. Let's go ahead and round out the Ginger storyline here. Ginger's uh, opening promo was the shits. It was bad. I get what they were trying to do because it was the, the Independence Day for, yeah. for India. That, oh it was this shits I, to us, but it wasn't directed to us. It was directed to the Indian audience, really. Right, right. Like, did I care about that chick singing? No. It was, it was annoying. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not Canadian. Oops, I mean, uh, I'm not from India. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I, we'll get to it when we do our picks. I think this is the last time Ginger's got that championship. So, oh, I, I have All a right, totally different theory on that, but we'll get to that later. Oh yeah, we will. All right. So looking through the whole rundown here, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want us to go for very long without talking about something sexual. So let's talk about fisting. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we had, we have Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose doing this whole back and forth. Um, they, so, so they have a whole promo where. You know, Seth says, ah, yeah, you know, I'm not the same guy from three years ago. And he extends out his fist. Dean doesn't take it. And then Dean kind of talks a little bit. He extends his fist. Seth doesn't take it because he's a dick. And they go back and forth. And then we've got fucking Seamus and Cesaro come out. And they attack them. 
And then we get a little house cleaning. And we get a little we get we get a little touch on the tips. We get a little touch on the tips. And we finally fist. He finally gets it in there. And the crowd goes crazy. So much so that a fan dropped his phone on the outside. <laughs> I feel bad for him. At least at least nobody stepped on it. I will say that. And uh no lube either, which just sounds painful. Um Oh yeah. So I liked the so certainly they were on to something because the crowd fucking went nuts when they when they finally touched fists. That was the yes. moment they were fiending for the whole time. I thought both guys kind of looked stupid with the all right, I'll hold mine out. No, now you're yeah. holding mine up. No, now I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. Mm. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, you will, you won't. You will, you won't. It was really kind of dumb. Uh, I would have maybe done that once and you could have been done with it there. Uh, but what well, we did it last we did it last week. Yeah. Yeah, same deal. You know, so so yeah, I mean it was at this point it should have just been you know, this is what says one of the entire time. So as soon as Dean does it, like, come on, man. Like, that's that should be the time. And, yeah, to, yeah. It just to me, the dumber yeah. part of this whole thing is that two guys who haven't teamed together in three years become the number one contenders to the tag titles because they bumped fists. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you're the Hardys, you're sitting there going, uh, oh, wait a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, OK. If you're the club, you're like, uh, uh, I fucking left Japan. We bump fists every time we come out to the ring. Why don't we get a fucking title shot? Um, I I would have liked to, and we've talked about this on the show before. I'm not a fan of the fact that nowadays we wait until the go home episode of the show to book fucking title matches. Um, there's no build to this. They've sort of built to it, I guess, without actually having a match announced. And to me, that's sort of a back asswards way to do it. Announce the match and then tell this story and you're in a far better place because there are higher stakes to this story. Well, these guys have to, these guys have a tag title match at SummerSlam. How can they coexist? Can they get along? And then you tell that story. To, to grant them a title match that they didn't have until they bumped fists is just idiotic booking. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And, I mean, you know, what were Seamus and Zard coming out there for anyways? Just let those two guys fight each other. And be done with it. I mean, yeah, we don't like these like two guys. You, They're kicking the shit out of each other. So let's go out and stop them from kicking the shit out of each other, huh? Yeah, don't don't give them a common enemy, you idiots. Yeah, this is <clears throat> the storytelling on this angle has been horrible anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of things that weren't horrible, surprisingly not horrible, Nia Jax and Sasha Banks had what was actually a very good match on Monday night. A th- it might have there. We might have seen the best move of the year in that match, and that was the tornado DDT yes. into the bank statement. Beautifully done. It was, oh my gosh. These are two people who we've seen fight before, and we haven't seen the stuff that they were throwing at us in this yeah. match. It was great. Yes. And uh, when you said the I, move of the year, I thought you meant the kid who slapped Alexis, Alexis' ass on the way out. Um, it's that second place. That's, that's, that's the second best move. Because that's... Cause them some balls, man. That's a lot of balls out of there. If you haven't to, seen to it, you can go uh, Facebook uh, some or Google, YouTube, whatever. Uh, little 13-year-old-looking kid as, as Nia's carrying Alexa back. Just full-on smacks Alexa right on the ass. Uh, and Nia's so Oh, he made a away. jiggle. Yeah. He made, he made that ass yes, jiggle. Yes, he did. <laughs> and millions of grown men were jealous of a 13-year-old boy at once. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I still can't believe she's All with right. that fucking dude from the uh, Gunner Twins there. <laughs> one, of the, one of the Nelson brothers. Um, 
But yeah, no, yeah. the match was tremendous, and I didn't expect it. They've had some matches in the past, and they weren't the cleanest, the most. But mm-hmm. this was really good. There were a couple of spots where I thought Nayo is a little, but for the most part, they covered everything up. Sasha made her look like a million bucks. Uh, they played into the sort of David and Goliath aspect beautifully. Uh, Sasha's hometown crowd behind her made the thing even more compelling. Uh, by the way, P.S. Sasha, I love the uh, the boss town with the Red Sox kind of motif. Mm. I thought that was a be- excellent touch. Um, but, yeah, I loved the whole thing. I didn't think I would say that. The only thing I did not love was somehow portraying Alexa as having a throne by sitting on a fucking lifeguard chair that's spray-painted silver. That was fucking yeah. awful. I know they're cutting budget stuff here, but if you have to cut budget so bad that that's the best you can come up with for a throne for the goddess, don't fucking do the angle. This is a, this is a company that literally has an entire wing of their warehouse dedicated to thrones. Yeah, like there's there's Triple H's throne from WrestleMania. Booker T. There's the there's the last fifteen uh, King of the Rings thrones that we've had. The one belonging to uh, King Booker. <laughs> yeah. Like really, guys? This is what you could. This is what you could could scrounge up. My gosh. Yeah. Oh boy. It just it it looked very. Um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, B movie, uh, but you know, cheap props, and it's not what the WWE does. What's what sets the WWE apart from other things? They don't have the best in ring wrestling product, and we'll get to some of that later. What they do have is the best production values, the best um, realistic use of props and things of that nature. Mm. Uh, and they're starting to cut the budget, and that's apparently where they're cutting those things from. And that's going to be a problem for them because now the one thing that they're doing better than another particular company we're going to talk about, uh, they're not doing better than them or much better than them anymore. So things are going to start getting interesting for the WWE if they don't, if they don't buckle down a little bit. That's very true. That's very true. And that's that's a lot of the reason why a lot of people watch WWE. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why, uh, partially why, you know, WWE won the Monday Night Wars too, mm-hmm. was because once they, they figured out a, a certain production way of doing things that was really good. While WWE had more money to them, you know, their stuff still didn't look quite as polished as WWE's production. And, you know, um, so yeah, uh, if if you're starting to do things like the fucking you know local shindy down the street is doing, where they're getting a lawn chair and being like it's his throne, right? No, it's not good. Yeah, this was not a good look for them. Uh, but what was a good look, and we we touched on it in that discussion. And let's just jump into it because it's not something we talk about a whole lot this week. Uh, last weekend, New Japan held the finals of the G1 Climax tournament. I don't know if you follow much of that, Troy. Um, but I will say this: uh, two of the best matches you're going to see this year on the same in the same weekend, uh, as Kenny Omega finally got over the hump, finally defeated Kazuchika Okada in their third match. Um, little varying opinion. Some people thought it was better than the first two. Other people thought it was good, but not as good as the first two. I enjoyed it more, I think, because it was the shorter time limit. They had a 30-minute time limit in this match. Uh, and the result was a lot more fast-paced action, a lot more get their stuff in quickly than kind of dragging it out, not a lot of rest holds. Uh, the action constantly moved, and I, I just kind of enjoy that more. Um, of course, Omega gets the victory, but for the whole G1 tournament, all we kind of heard was everyone speculating that, hey, you know, Omega's going to win it. They're going to set up Okada Omega 4 at the Tokyo Dome and blah, 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 and we're going to get the big you know, finale. 
And this is what makes New Japan interesting. And unlike the WWE, they set up this story for an entire year and then go a different fucking way on you. As in the finals, Tatsuya Naito defeated Kenny Omega in what may have been better than the Omega Okada matches. This match was fucking outstanding, um, complete with faked botches. Uh, they went for a pile driver on a table. Uh, and made it look like they accidentally missed hitting the table and went down to the floor. But if you go back and watch, they very specifically moved the guardrail out of the way to create enough room to miss the table. So this was a planned botch, which to me is just bonus fucking points for that. That's that's the level of creativity you don't see very often. Um, that's a hard. It's a hard thing to pull off. You know, we we're we're still. I still remember the uh, uh, the moment in the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens match where we're still not sure <laughs> if it was a planned botch or a real yep. botch. Um, so more power to them. And, um, you know, my, my only issue sometimes, um, with, with new Japan mm. is the tuna melter effect <laughs> because the guy pumps this stuff up so much that you go into it thinking I'm going to watch the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. and anything less than that's going to be a little disappointing. But if you go in, go in dry, like fucking Seth Rollins did with his fist, <laughs> You you can enjoy it a little bit more yeah. because you because you're going in not 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 being like this is a six star match it's going to be fucking mm-hmm. awesome if you just go in being like oh I wonder what's going on with these guys you can enjoy it a lot more and uh, um and my other other point on this is tell me tell me if you have anybody that you can think of that has a better job kick than Okada uh Mr Perfect did I think Mr Perfect uh, is probably my all time favorite. Sorry, let me let me preface that with tell me somebody who's alive. Okay, is <laughs> a better man. Yeah, because uh, Okada's got a, just a beautiful. He's the height yeah. on it, and and he's a tall guy cool. too. He's got a long way to yeah. get up there. So, uh, yeah, no, he, yeah. he he's amazing. Um, and, and the in-ring product in New Japan is just far superior to WWE. And I'm a WWE mark. Don't get me wrong, but when you look at move for move and the level of storytelling and the they're taking. What people always talk about with wrestling is taking the fans on an emotional ride. And New Japan does that better than anybody right now if you watch those matches. The one problem I have with New Japan, and I've been saying this for a while, and I understand that I'm sort of in the minority on this one because everybody goes crazy over strong style. And strong style is fine. But I'm watching these matches. Now, these are like these guys had like 16 matches or 30 matches in 16 days or some ridiculous fucking shit like that. Um but I'm watching these like reverse Rana's on the ring apron where the guy just gets spiked on the top of his fucking head. Uh, yeah. unpro- unprotected headshots. This is like knowing what we know today, I fucking cringe multiple times watching these matches. I enjoy the product. I enjoy the work. I enjoy the sacrifice these guys make. But watching some of that gets very difficult sometimes just seeing what these guys are doing to each other, especially in contrast to the return of um oh god now i'm gonna forget his name uh god oh god shibata who uh made a surprise return during the g1 just uh, out in front of the fans this is a guy who almost ended his life by an unprotected headbutt to okada like almost mm-hmm. literally died from a from a hematoma on the brain yep probably never gonna wrestle again although could have been para- could have been paralyzed yeah you at, look at, at that stuff, and, and and then you look at some of the other stuff these guys are doing, and it's like, I, I love the entertainment, but I, for the for the health and well-being of these guys, I wish somebody would rein them in just a tiny little bit. 
Maybe maybe a few less unprotected headshots. I get you want to be strong style. I get all that, but just on some basic human compassion shit, it's hard to watch mm-hmm. sometimes. Not to mention, you're getting that in the second match of the show. Yeah, it's true. You're 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 getting that in in almost every single match, which one makes it feel less special, but also makes it where that each guy <sighs> then has feels a need that they've got to outdo the next one, and that's when you start really getting into it, where you're going to cause even more injury because. Because here's this guy who's who's you know the match before the main event and he's going oh these last guys you know they they did this gigantic you know suicide headbutt and all this stuff well I got to do better than that so I'm gonna go out there and I'm just gonna cut my fucking guy, fucking head off in front of the crowd. See, I can't know? play the hypocrite so, role on this because I said last week I want guys to go out there and try to have the best fucking match on the show, whether they're first, second, or third. Oh, I want them to try I, to um, do the main event, and that's what these guys yeah. do. And to me, that's what makes the show compelling. The other thing I don't like about it is way way too many three and four and six man tag matches. That shit that shit needs to be curtailed a little bit, yeah. and uh, they do a lot of that, similar to uh, the Mexican style lucha libre. But uh, but yeah, mm. I I'm, I enjoy the fact that these guys are going out and every single person on the card is trying to outdo everybody else and have the best match. And if that forces everyone else to raise the bar, then so be it. That's what I want more of in the WWE. Yeah, but but raise the bar storytelling wise in match. Raise raise the bar in terms of, of everything else around it. You don't have to to kill yourself to have an amazing oh, match. Oh no, and that and that's and that's I think a lot of them revert back to that as oh this we're just going to do this giant spot mm-hmm. and we're going to be more memorable. Where instead, if you put on a fifteen minute match where you tell an amazing story, you're going to have so many more people who are going to be like that was a great fucking right. match. You know, instead instead of just you know, someone else is going to look at, at at another match where there's a gigantic, you know, like I, I, a guy threw a guy through four tables. That's all they're going to remember of that match. They're not going to remember anything else about yeah. it. But if you put on a great match, you've got storytelling. You're going to have guys going back and forth, be like, oh, then, oh, then, then he did this, and then oh, then he did this, and it was like back and forth. You know, that's the stuff that you'd rather have. You want to be more memorable for the entire match, not one spot. Yeah, I, I see what you're com- where you're coming from. I, I sort of agree with that too. Um, but you know, I, I think. It is fair to give them credit and say, as they continue to try to push further and further into the U.S. market, um, that they could be. We've talked about it for a long time since WCW died. Can anyone ever come up and be true competition in this country for the WWE? Uh, Given a few more years, New Japan has the capability, and they have an American talent at the top of their show who may very well be the best wrestler in the world right now in the form of Kenny Mm -hmm. Omega. Um, that guy does stuff that nobody else can do. And I shit on the Young Bucks all the time. And I don't hate their offense. I hate the fact that they don't sell. For me, selling is still a big thing. You've got to be able to make your opponent look good by making their offense look stiff and look good. Kenny Omega may do that better than anybody else because everybody that's in there with him looks 10 times better for being in the ring with him. Yeah. The other thing, too, is you know, um, New Japan is one of those organizations where you can instantly hop in. And, and know what's going on. Whereas, you know, if you if you try to hop, hop into episode four of Lucha Underground, you're not going to know what the fuck's going on. But, you know, New Japan tells the stories in the ring so yep. much and doesn't rely on as a lot of more of the, like, in-ring talk segments and backstage interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, you can jump right in and understand what's going on and understand what, what the guys are about. Right. And everybody gives constantly, gives WWE and Vince McMahon credit for, uh, taking guys that other people didn't do anything with, and, and and you know they highlight the Eric Youngs of the world, the Samoa Joes of the world, the AJ Styles of the world. Those guys were all champions 
in TNA. So TNA did put right. them at the top of their show. Now go over to New Japan and look at guys like Cody Rhodes. Look at guys like Juice Robinson. These guys are having some of the best matches in the world because they're being allowed to. They're not being told to bury their offense. They're not being told to go out there and do it in five minutes. They're given a blank canvas and told to, to paint a masterpiece, and they do it. And I think if WWE took the reins off some of these guys, we would actually get maybe the chance to see who actually are the most talented guys on the roster. I think all you have to do is say the name Matt Bloom. Yeah. And and look at look at the difference between Matt Bloom and New Japan and A Train. Yep. And then you that's all you need to see. And all right, so um let's let's keep it Asian and let's <laughs> go with uh with the cruiserweight title. So <sighs> the cruiserweight title changed hands. On Raw. Yes. Not on 205 Live. Nope. On Raw. Because they wanted people to see it, and they know nobody's watching 205 <laughs> Live. I'm sorry, two, that's 205 true. Leave. To Leave, yeah. Get out of here. Go Because home. that's what half the crowd yeah. does. Um, yeah, I I don't know why, and I'm going to say this just to piss you off, I don't know why they give this away on free TV, uh, especially when you know that the match is already scheduled for the pay-per-view. The only reason to do it the way they did it is that the plan is to hot title the title back around onto Neville at the pay-per-view because there's really nothing for Tazawa to do with that title. He's already done the feud with Kendrick, who's the only other real top-flight heel on 205 Live, and they tried the title on him, and it didn't work. Uh, Neville still has things he can do. He can still do a feud with Cedric Alexander. He can still do a feud with maybe an Enzo Amore. There are things you can do with the title on Neville. I can't see a thing you can do with the title on Tozawa short of having him drop it back to Neville, which is where I think they're going. And it's just going to be the, the Sasha Banks-Charlotte storyline all over again. I don't think they're going to go multiple times. I think this is Tozawa's one-off. I just I, I don't see the point of it, and I don't see why why I should watch 205 Live then. If if the titles are not even going to change hands or not even be defended on the on the show. Well, we've talked about it. I I loved the cruiserweight classic. I was a huge mark for the cruiserweight classic. Dave totally and completely mishandled their cruiserweight division, and we've talked mm-hmm. about the reasons over and over and over again. The biggest reason, of course, being that they don't want their cruiserweights outshining their heavyweights, so they neuter their offensive style. And that's what gets the fucking cruiserweights over. You go back and think of the WCW days when cruiserweight wrestling became popular here in the country. First off, Eric Bischoff was smart. He let these guys go out and do whatever they did. And look, maybe guys get hurt. I get a whole wealth of guys in Mexico I can go pull from if I need to. Go out there and bust your ass and hopefully, you know, come back healthy. It's a shitty attitude to have as a promoter, but I also understand it. And he also had the forethought and smartness to take... Those guys who they knew were high energy and put them at the beginning of the show every single week and get the crowd pumped up and ready to go. Vince has them Mm -hmm. buried in the third hour where people are already tired and not watching or at the end of SmackDown where nobody gives a shit. They're placed poorly. They're given too many handcuffs to try to work around. They've they've at least gotten rid of the purple ropes on Raw, which is an improvement, I guess. But they've presented them as the junior varsity uh, it's just it's been a nightmare and a mess from day one, and it's it's a, it's really incredibly frustrating because it's just such simple shit that they could do to fix it. I mean, start off with you know just put him at full sale. 
because that 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 at least you're going to have a crowd that's going to enjoy these guys. You're not you're not having you're not having a SmackDown crowd who are just like we have to sit through this shit so we can watch John Cena again. Come on, I, I've you I've know? heard that theory and I, I could just interrupt because I want to tell you why that doesn't work. Um, you you can't do anything with them. You you can't put them on a pay per view on Raw if the Raw crowd never sees them. I just think at at this point, two hundred five live is kind of useless because. You know, we're, it seemed like they were starting to to fix things when Neville became champion because then you had a, an actual person that credible you might might make you tune in. Yeah, you had a credible guy who might make you tune in, and having him lose to to Zabo, who's not even over, really in in, in just kind of a oh well, you know, I guess I guess the title changed hands. But to instantly have it be that, oh, hey, by the way, you know, they're just going to face each other at SummerSlam again, like in a kickoff, it's in a kickoff show. Yeah. Not even on the main card. There's just so many more things that you could do with it. And there's so much talent there that's just being wasted. Well, then again, speaking of wasted talent on the kickoff card, it looks like we're going to have the uh, probably what could very well be the best match on the show on the kickoff as they've moved now the Usos and the New Day to the pre-show. Uh, which, for my money, could very well be the best in-ring match we're going to see that night. It's not only the best in-ring, it's not only potentially the best in-ring match, but it's also the, one of the hottest feuds. These yep. guys have been doing a, doing great work week after week. Yep. You know, uh, finally somebody wised up enough and were and and beat the shit out of Biggie while he was doing his fucking promo yep. to start start him off. Because how many times you said he's like, you know, he's just sitting back there on a mic, <laughs> just fucking attack him. And then, and then for the Usos to come back the next week and fool the entire crowd with their whole "Oh, SmackDown!" Yeah, they, he he sounded like Biggie. <laughs> he did a great job on that. Um, but then, yeah, I, I, again, we've got we've got two guys that you know a year ago when these guys were fe- were feuding each other, nobody cared. Right. But the Usos have come such a long way, and the New Day have continued to to put on a great show that. This yeah, this is re- very well could be not only one of the best best matches, but also you know one of the hottest feuds going forward. Yeah, and they're they're sending it on the pre-show. So, uh, yeah, I've I mean I've been a fan of the Usos since day one ish. Um, yeah, <clears throat> they've they've always again I when I think of great tag team matches, I, I immediately flash back to the two out of three falls match with Harper and Rowan, which I think was one of the better in terms of great false finishes there was sort of a surprise i think everyone thought rowan and harper was winning that match because um, it should have yeah well you can make that case but in any event <laughs> they, there was suspense to it there was emotion to it it was great and then you look at their feud with american alpha those matches the, the feud was not good because they didn't give them any time but the in-ring matches were top fucking notch um and, and you're seeing the same thing here with the, with the new day so this is the match i might be looking forward to the most on the show um if it's great, I might be able to go to bed early, which is nice. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm just shocked that they're putting that. When you look at some of the other matches that could be moved to the pre-show. Oh yeah, and and we'll get to those matches because <laughs> there's there's a lot of them. Do we really need to see Randy take on Rusev on the main card? No. Now, speaking of giving away stuff on free TV, uh, we had a match Stop this it. week on Raw between Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt. Uh, which I don't know f- how you feel about it, Troy, but for me, it didn't do much to uh, make me anticipate it. It seemed like it was just a vehicle to announce that the demon was going to be there, oh, which to me 
By the way, do we still have that cash bet from last week if the demon's going to show no. up at SummerSlam? No, we don't. Uh, but no. no. Okay. No. No, we don't. <laughs> we talked about it. We never agreed on it. Be, and and why is that? Because the fuck, not only is the cat out of the bag, but it's been grabbed by the tail and slammed against some rocks. Yeah. Because they're like, they, 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 they've been teasing it for a little bit. Like, oh, maybe. And then we have a fucking article on WB.com. Beller going to introduce his demons to, to Bray Wyatt. Like, fuck off, <laughs> man. Like, this is, you can't, you can't even, you know, why don't you just go ahead and be, and, and put up an article saying Beller decides what he's going to do after he beats Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam. Like, we all know this is, in all of the ways, this is, this is going to go this way. And wait, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, the, the demon thing was supposed to be kind of like a surprise because maybe we haven't seen it in a while. I think you're just like, nah, fuck that. We'll just tell him it's going to come out. This is also the same company that debuted him and showed him to us on the main roster just in a random run-in before SummerSlam last year instead of hyping the suspense and anticipation of seeing it at the big show. Yeah. So I I hope he doesn't come out with that fucking Demon King. Demon Kang Kang written all over his legs. Well, they didn't say Demon King. They've only said the Demon. So I think maybe they finally caught up to the, to that being stupid, which hopefully... That's because the because their other demon is running for a fucking mayor. So. Yeah. Well, maybe they finally realized Demon King and Demon Kane sound way too close together. Uh, maybe. But clean win for Bray gets the one two three. Uh, then in one of the corniest fucking things I've seen in a while, pours red paint over Finn, who is then told by his bosses to act blinded, like this is sapping his strength and his power, and it's like almost like he dropped acid on him or something. Um, just. Really bad storytelling. When when Edge and Christian and Gangrel were doing bloodbaths, the guys were outside on the floor and were almost shocked and disgusted that they were covered in blood, but they weren't acting like they were right. in pain. No, they they acted like, what the fuck happened? What are, what are, what are they doing to me? What's on me? <laughs> yeah, they weren't going, oh my God, it hurts. Unless, unless, the only thing I can think is that after he poured the blood on him, he went, by the way, Finn, it's AIDS blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We found out from Michael Cole later it was viscous acidic liquid. Yeah. So he threw acid on him. Well, I'm sure Balor's going to look fine at SummerSlam. Unless they're going to start a new like Goldust gimmick where he's covering up his fucking scarred face or something like that. Yeah. I, they've, they've handled Finn. They've handled Bray wrong from for a very, very long time. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is. I, it, it should be a good match. I'm looking forward to seeing the match. Um, but I, I, when I say, and I know you get you don't like the phrase "give it away on free TV." When I say that, the reason I say it is because my anticipation of this match is now lessened because I've seen it the week before on TV. So, but you haven't seen it with a day. Your entire story has been building towards this match at SummerSlam. Except now you've shown me the match before I ever get to SummerSlam. And yeah, there's a little bit of an element of, of something different with Finn Balor and the Demon, but from a selling point, from a marketing point, I, it just doesn't, there's, there's nothing there for me to get excited about now because you've already shown it to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And we, we've talked about it before. While I don't like the, like the term, give it away on free TV, I also don't like when we do matches that are, we're going to see at the pay per view before the pay per view. Mm -hmm. I won't use that term, but I will use the fact that it's it. I liked it so much more when we just kept guys away from each other, or we did segments where they would they would interact with each other but not be in a match together. 
Well, that's really all what all the phrase "give it away on free TV" means is that we're we're showing nothing is saved to be special anymore. Everything is just kind of thrown out there, and and it is what it is. And for the record, this is the kind of shit that WCW was doing that put them out of business. They didn't leave anything to be special. Everything was given away on Nitro. You know, Hogan and Goldberg the first time for the title. Goldberg's first title reign wasn't saved for a pay per view. It was given away on Nitro. That's the formula that helped put WCW out of business in the long term, and WWE is starting to follow that very formula, and that's bad for business. Right. <sighs> oh well, I guess we'll have we'll we'll be free on Thursdays after this shit goes under under business. <laughs> well, no, we'll just become a New Japan show. Oh, yeah, there, there you go, there you go. I'll just have to learn Japanese. <laughs> Uh, well, if you uh, don't take lessons from Titus because he didn't realize that bye bye in Japanese is sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just a manager now, right? It seems that like way. I know, I, like I know he can't wrestle, but can he not wrestle? Like, is he hurt, but, or are they just, or do they just realize, like, look, this guy sucks as a wrestler? Now, I think he wrestled a few months back against Braun as part of the kind of Apollo mm-hmm. beat the shit out of Braun, and then Titus said, "I'll show you how to do it." So. Not that long ago he wrestled, but he's, he's definitely being used more as a mouthpiece now. Speaking of somebody who hasn't wrestled in a while, hey Apollo Cruz, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, ran out. He runs out to take good selfies though. So is that? Yeah, celebrate other yeah. people's victories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of things that uh, have just been driven into the dirt, the Fashion Peaks <laughs> finale. So this shit just isn't leading anywhere now, right? <laughs> Um, I think, again, I continue to think this is leading to Authors of Pain. Uh, if you follow, they said something to the extent of dark days are ahead for the WWE tag team division. There were all sorts of, of nuggets that there is still something to come. This was just done in a way to tell the story of the fashion police, the fashion peaks part of it ending, and they're going to go to some different fucking parody with the same guys. So... So what do the two Bs mean? Because that was a big takeaway we had from this, was that the Ascension came back in after they fucked a pie, <laughs> and uh, you know, and Fandango looked through it and found a note that said two Bs. So what the fuck does that mean? Uh, to be or not to be was in a Shakespeare book. Books have authors, authors of pain. That is terrible. <laughs> but... But I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> so uh, we had we had another uh, thinly veiled attempt to say that Fandango was raped in the ass, uh, which I appreciate as always. Um, the The Ascension are at this point now just backstage goons. Yeah, they're they're, um, they're comic because, relief. Which I mean, in, in this role, that's fine. I mean, at least at least they're getting TV yep. time, but. Uh, you know, saying that all oh, that the fashion police are going to return in two weeks. Not only does that take them off of any chance of seeing them at SummerSlam, but also for some reason the next SmackDown too. So I don't know if that if they're giving themselves time to recoup or if there was something going on there that they wanted to take that that they need to take them off TV for maybe like a, a show or a scheduled time off or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but they're definitely keeping them out of the ring, which is I think a mistake too. But it's it's SmackDown if. I mean, you look at the guys who they can't get ring time for on SmackDown, and it's sort of amazing when you look at who some of these guys are. Yeah. 
I mean, you start right. with Sami Zayn, Mike and Maria, Luke Harper. As the list goes on and on of guys, Ty Dillinger, who can't find time on SmackDown and add the fashion police to that. They're getting time in vignettes, but in in the ring, there's just nothing for them. Yeah. Well, and you look at it, too, as, um, you know, like our, our champion Jack Swagger, I mean, Ginger Mahal, <laughs> who gets two, who gets two segments on, on a, a two-hour show, and nobody cares. You know what the answer is, Troy? Three-hour SmackDowns. That is the answer, but you know what? It's also not the answer because you don't want that. <laughs> because then you know what you'll have? Raw. I know. No, the the answer, truthfully, is telling some of these guys, sayonara, see ya, out to pasture. Um, moving teams like the New Day back to Raw where they're three, they're, can be more effective in a three-hour format than a two-hour format. Um, th- there are a lot of things you could do. I don't need to see... I don't need to see Randy Orton on TV anymore. There's nothing there anymore. Uh, there's there's a couple of guys for sure. Uh, you know, obviously Randy is one of them because he's boring and he probably belongs over on Raw because he's not doing anything anymore of note on SmackDown. Um, obviously, you know, we, we look at it as well. Yeah, like I said, the New Day taking 20 minutes for a promo is too much. And while they've elevated the tag team division over there, that was a division that really didn't need it. it. It needed some better storytelling, but it didn't need it didn't need the star power because they could have made American Alpha something, you know. They would have had to actually put they, them on TV for that to work, though. Exactly, and that's the issue. But yeah, I mean, right now the same thing would happen that we knew was going to happen. The new day, new day became a focal point of it, and the Usos, you know, obviously are in a feud with them. But once this is done, like. You know what? What else do you do? If if the new day get the titles, then the Usos are probably going to get shoved down the card, and then you're only going to have the uh, some other team take up that place. And that's kind of what happens. The new day is they become such a focal point that you can't have really two different tag team storylines. Yeah, you don't have time for it. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem. Um, they've they could try to push their sort of main event stuff on the network as, as being almost a third hour, an extension of SmackDown and try to market it that way instead of just being throwaway matches that nobody gives a shit about. Um, but you know, if you told me, if you marketed to me, Hey, this week, if you go tomorrow morning on the WB network on, you, you can see Ty Dillinger take on, you know, Mike Canellis, I would go watch that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. The the opportunity is there to find time for these guys. They just don't seem to be uh, equipped to come up with a plan to execute it. Mm-hmm. So do me a favor, because I've got nothing to say on the topic. Go ahead and vamp for a little bit on the Fatal 4-Way. i got to take a piss. Okay. Um, I guess I'll talk about the Fatal 4-Way. It was really just a device to get to the, the pay-per-view, have all four guys in the ring, get the visual... Um, there wasn't a whole lot to it, really. Nothing, no real revelations. Uh, Heyman with the very strategic, uh, put him in a cage, uh, very not so veiled reference to a UFC to all, um, putting him in the octagon, which is of course the rumor. Uh, lots of people with the notion that because um, they're doing the angle where, oh, well, we're going to leave if we lose the title and we're never coming back and blah, blah, blah. That means that, well, Lesnar's clearly keeping the title. I sort of see that the other way because, to me, it's the built-in excuse to have Lesnar off TV until whatever Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, whenever you want to bring him back. 
because uh, we know that long hiatus is coming, and this gives you a built-in excuse to have that hiatus and to make it a surprise when he does return because he quote-unquote quits. I still think we're getting a new Universal Champion at the pay-per-view. Maybe I, maybe it's a pipe dream. I don't know. Uh, we'll get into, when we do pr- uh, predictions later on, who I actually think is going to win that match at SummerSlam. But this was um, an okay way to set up you know, to go home for this match, but I, know, I just feel like it could have been done better. I liked Roman coming out, not saying anything, and just starting to beat the shit out of people. That was interesting. We've seen it before, but it's effective. Yeah, it's definitely. The less Roman talks, the better his character is. <laughs> Very much so. Less chances for booze, too. It's true. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it on that. There wasn't a whole lot of note to come out of that. It was more or less just to set up the big brawl, sort of like the... You know, 45 motherfuckers jump in the ring right the week before the Royal Rumble. It's just their standard go-to. The, the only thing I have to say about that is the the local indie wrestler who jumped out yes. of the ring after getting hit downward definitely made the best of his time <laughs> and def- definitely will not be back on WWE yes. anytime soon. There were a few guys locally that I knew out there doing the security, so hats off to them. I know Mark Sherman specifically was one that was uh, all over my Twitter feed, so... Congrats to the short thing for his appearance as a security guard on Raw. Well, why wouldn't you hire him? He's a sure thing. Exactly. All right, let's finish off Raw here with Big KS aligning with the club, I guess, for this week. Uh, this whole storyline has been kind of fucking hot garbage. Um, and and this is the, the match that everyone's going to point at as, why the fuck are we doing this when we can't get Ty Dillinger and Sami Zayn on the card? As the as Big Chaos and the club decided to uh, break Big Show's hand, I guess, or just enter it. I don't know. I sort of liked that as a storytelling device. I liked the, you know, I can't beat the Big Show, so I'm going to go out and get some backup. Uh, they weren't doing anything anyway, so this gives them something to focus on for at least the short term. Um, and it gives a certain air of credibility. It seems like something, hey, if I get this guy who's got this this horrible knockout punch I have to deal with, what's the first thing I want to take away? The punch. So it seemed credible. It made sense. It was logical. I didn't have a problem with it. I actually thought it wasn't a bad segment. He probably should take away the HGH, not the punch. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the feud. I don't like the fact that we're just pitting I don't like anything with the big show, and I haven't for years. And he's, he seems like a very nice guy from everything I know about him. People like him backstage. but And it's not his fault. It's the way they've booked him. They've booked him in a way where right. he's not special anymore. We talked last week. Brock Lesnar is not great in the ring. But every time Brock Lesnar shows up in your town, people go fucking nuts. Because he doesn't right. show up everywhere. He's not there every week. He's an attraction. And that's how the big show should have been booked from day one. He should have been booked to feel special, to not be around every week. Certainly not jobbing out to the list of guys he's fucking jobbed out to. Um, if I were to pull up a list of people who have beaten the big show, it would probably shock you some of the names that are on that list. Uh, they, they haven't protected that character. And as a result, that character has no real interest. It is not compelling in any way. Yeah, that's that's the issue too. Is because, you know, Big Show's a, a certified Hall of Famer. Um, he's he's had an, an amazing career. Um, he's probably lived longer than I think a lot of people thought he was going to. <laughs> but you know, him him coming back in in such great shape, they wasted it because he came back and he was booked exactly the same. 
nothing nothing changed about him when they could have really been been pumping the fact that like look our our monster is an even bigger monster now look at this fucking guy look at his abs Mm -hmm. you know but instead he comes back in the same outfit and the same fucking storylines and you're just like oh look it's it's the big show thanks Shaq. yeah who cares (laughs) Shaq Shaq wouldn't have been able to to do anything different about that either because they, he would have so he would have sold Shaq. Yeah. So probably. Um speaking of reverting things to back to when they weren't special, uh it appears that Lana is going to go back to being just a manager in a business suit. Uh except now instead of being paired with Rusev where she was at least interesting in that role, she's going to be paired with Tamina. Or should I say Tamina? No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Uh yeah, the, it makes no sense. They they took all this time. They had her lose th- three straight matches to Naomi, and with with increasingly shorter time limits on them, and and then she's uh, like all of a sudden it was like oh well maybe Tamina maybe she'll be the manager of Lana. And then all of a sudden this week it was like oh I guess, I guess not. Now now we're talking about Tamina winning a championship. I just don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't get the point of this pseudo push or whatever it is that they got going on. It doesn't make any sense at all to me. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of things that don't make sense, we wasted precious television time with two of your best performers in uh, Kevin Owens and AJ Styles uh, with making Shane McMahon the focal point because he's a special referee. Uh, Don't hit me. I'm not going to shake your hand, but you can shake his hand and... just some really dumb shit that's beneath these guys. Now, I will say Kevin Owens, once again, owned the microphone, owned the facial expressions, and did what he did because he's one of the best in the world. Uh, AJ was good in his role. It was just a bad segment. It wasn't that these guys were bad or these guys did anything wrong. It was just a poorly written segment and a waste of, ta- a waste of their talent. It was another one of those things where you took the two most interesting guys and strapped a fucking lead weight to them by having Shane be the focal point when Shane should be the one who's kind of building these two guys up. This match now feels more like it's Shane McMahon featuring a wrestling match around right. him as opposed to the wrestling match featuring Shane. Right. So give me, give me AJ Styles versus Mike Canales. Give me Kevin Owens versus Ty Dillinger. Those two matches, yeah. they build the feud, have Shane McMahon ref both of them to get the rust off, storyline-wise. You can still tell the same story and give us a quality, entertaining match involving these guys. This promo wasn't, inter- wasn't, that, wasn't good. It just, it was, the guys were fine, but the, the material was just, yeah, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, Speaking of and Shane there, McMahon, and who's not a wrestler, <laughs> sorry, Shane McMahon, who's not a wrestler, shouldn't be acting physical like he's physically intimidating the talent. That's just fucking stupid. Right. right. Exactly. Back in the corporation days, Shane McMahon was playing the chicken shit heel, and that's what made it work. He could go out and have a good match, sure, but he wasn't trying to. He wasn't portraying as though he was tougher than the guys. He was portraying as though he was scared of them, and that's what that guy should be fucking doing. He was he was always been portrayed as the guy that I hired these guys, right. and I'm going to tell them what to do. But I know that if I don't treat them right, they will fucking kill me. So yeah, for him to turn around and be like, "Don't you fucking knock me out, or I'm going to knock you out," like, dude, first of all, you lost to one of these guys, 
And the other guy has powerbomb motherfuckers like you through tables and through the sides of, of, of ring aprons. You're not going to beat either of these two guys. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is leading to a Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon match, and I'm sure we'll further that storyline at SummerSlam. But uh, how did you feel about the uh, women's match on SmackDown this week as Natalia forces Becky Lynch to tap out to the sharpshooter? Becky Lynch, the by the way, who is not on the SummerSlam card. The shit shooter. Uh, Natalia sucks. <laughs> she is. There's another one of those people that needs to go away because this should be Carmella versus Becky on the card. Sure. And not, and not, I mean, I know Carmella's not booked either. Right. But to have, you know, we obviously, you know, we're kind of out of, out of heels or we're, we're out of, uh, yeah, we're out of heels to face uh, Naomi because I don't know what's worse, Tamina or Natalia, but. Um, you know, Natalia getting the rub like this and for her to get a win over Becky Lynch, like a clean win like this, just man, oh man, like it sucks because Becky was so good and she fought so hard to make a name for herself on SmackDown and now she's just an afterthought. <sighs> All because somebody fucking put some glow sticks in her ass. <laughs> um, look, I have no problem with Naomi having to run. I think you know she's worked hard for a long time. She's taken a lot of shit. She she put up with a lot of stuff through the Divas days. I have no problem with her having a run with the title. But you look at your we we always talk about the four horsewomen and and the renaissance of women's wrestling as a result of those four. Charlotte not on the card. Bailey not on the card. Becky not on the card. Who is on the card? Sasha. Okay, great. Alexa. Sure, I can get down with Alexa. Uh, oh, I wish. <laughs> Natalia and Naomi. Yeah. Two of these things are not like the others. And it's just to me, it's again, and I've, I've talked about this since the SummerSlam card started. This is the SummerSlam of less than matches. These are matches that are less than they could be, less than they should be. And it's just making for a lackluster card. I mentioned earlier, they have four shows. You talk about NXT, you talk about SummerSlam. Raw and SmackDown, all emanating from the Barclays Center this weekend, Monday and Tuesday. And none of those four shows are sold out, including the second biggest event of the year. Right. That got, that, if that doesn't set off fucking alarms in that office about this creative direction, I don't know what the fuck will. Right. I've, I've never quite understood putting NXT in these big arenas because I don't think the audience is there, and I think you could find something in Brooklyn mm. or around that area that's a little bit smaller of a venue. I disagree. But yeah, the fact the fact that SummerSlam, one of your big four, three, five, however many they call big now, is having trouble. Well, look at the card. Right. And we're going to look at the card. This is not good. Right. I disagree on the NXT stuff because the truth is they've sold out that arena the last two years at, at TakeOver because they had strong matches. And we'll get to this card later. I actually think this is going to be a much better show than the card would dictate. But uh, just looking at it, there's not that big match. There's not that thing you're looking forward to. Uh, you're not looking forward to, can Bailey overcome? Can the underdog rise? You're not looking for... Right. We've seen all those things. We're not looking for, can you know Finn Balor win the first ever ladder match? There's nothing... There's not that draw to it. There's no stipulation matches. There's nothing... 
there's nothing to draw you in. So I don't think that I, I think the lack of sales are just based on strictly on the card being lackluster. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we have yeah. one more item on our list, and it should be a very quick one. But they hyped the shit out of Chad Gable on his way to the ring. JBL saying this is a future world champion. This is a future star. Only to have Rusev fucking destroy him and make him look like a bitch in 30 seconds. Yep. This whole thing, Chad Gable's yep. entire presence on the show was a vehicle to get us to an RKO out of nowhere. Which is kind of funny because, um, you know, if you listen to a couple of episodes of NXT Revisited, they talk about Jason Jordan as being a blue chipper and then he loses all the time. So <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just the way things go in this company. But yeah. Had a, they had another chance again with with Chad to to do something with him, and again, just cannon fodder. Yeah, I, I don't fucking get it, but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, because they are at least still portraying him as a big deal on the show. Hopefully, at some point after SummerSlam, maybe the direction starts to shift, and that we can actually get something going for Chad Gable because it would be interesting to see. Uh, but I, I do feel I do feel like SummerSlam and Takeover Brooklyn Three are going to be turning points for both companies. Yeah. I think uh, you know specifically with NXT, we need to we need to make a change uh, up up at the top in order for us to to make the show interesting again. And I think in terms of SummerSlam, you know, we're burning off some of these feuds, and uh, there's there's potential there. But I'm also a little worried about about the direction of some other guys. Yeah, absolutely. And those are those concerns are very fair, and we'll address all those as we go through our predictions in just a little bit. But before we get to that, let's do some news. And, of course, we're going to lead off the news with the biggest item of the week. WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair remains in critical condition in an Atlanta hospital, according to F4W Online Wrestling, F4WOnline.com. We now know that Flair underwent colon surgery on Monday to remove a blockage that was the catalyst for a number of health issues that followed, including kidney failure. The blockage was said to be the worst of the issues, but the blockage did cause other problems. Flair is currently on kidney dialysis, and doctors are looking to get his kidneys back functioning. The surgery was considered a success, but there are more issues to deal with. Flair was hospitalized in intensive care on Saturday, then placed in a medically induced coma on Monday before surgery. Dave Meltzer noted on the Wrestling Observer Radio that Flair was in a lot of pain when he went into the hospital on Saturday. Flair's condition was said to be really bad. Meltzer said things were not looking good for Flair at one point, as was tweeted by WWE Hall of Famer Michael P.S. Hayes after he paid a visit to Flair in the hospital. Charlotte Flair, Ashley, his daughter, took to Instagram and wrote the following, thanking the fans for their support, saying, Hey guys, on behalf of my family and I, I want to thank everyone for your prayers, texts, calls, and support. Our dad is a fighter, and will con- and your continued thoughts and prayers mean the world to us. We will update everyone when we have more information. However, in conflicting reports, according to PW Insider, Ric Flair did not actually have colon surgery, as has been stated by other outlets. Uh, while they state Ric Flair did undergo some sort of surgery, the Flair family is not officially stating what it is. This would conflict with a tweet by Gene Oakland in a report at, H- at the report we referenced earlier at F4WOnline.com. Uh, but everyone agrees that Flair is dealing with multiple health problems, and while the surgery was deemed a success, he is still considered to be in serious or even critical condition. Uh, five days after being admitted to the Atlanta hospital, that condition continues to be critical, according to a statement made by his fiance. 
Uh, Wendy Barlow released a statement on Facebook on Wednesday afternoon addressing Flair's current condition and rumors that have circulated since the news of his health has surfaced, saying, quote, just want to update my friends and family as I have been unable to talk on the phone without crying and feel just shocked over these events. Um, I took Rick to the hospital Friday night with severe abdominal pain. From that moment on, it all seems like a nightmare. Multiple organ problems. Uh, Barlow's update is the first significant news on Flair's condition since Monday when top when the WWE rep confirmed Flair was resting following an undisclosed surgical procedure. Barlow specifically denied rumors that Flair's surgery was on his colon, saying, quote, Not to get into too many details, I want everyone to know he still needs prayers and is still in critical condition. And no, he did not have colon surgery. It was another surgery. As previously reported, and as we previously mentioned, he was placed in a medically induced coma and underwent the surgical procedure. No word yet if he's still in the coma or if he's back awake. Uh, we've joked on this show a lot about Ric Flair, but the reality is, you know, the woos and the Ric Flair promos were the soundtracks to a lot of people's childhoods. Um, he is a legend. He's one of the best ever lace boots in this business. And uh, the world is not ready to lose Ric Flair. We've already lost Dusty. We've lost a ton of these these guys. Um, all joking aside, obviously, we wish for the best and hopefully a speedy recovery for the Nature Boy and, and maybe we'll get to see him back on TV sooner rather than later. I don't know about seeing him on TV, but at least it would be nice for him not to die. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see another Ric Flair strut one more time. Put it that way. Hmm. Uh, Chris Jericho wasn't originally scheduled to make a surprise return to SmackDown Live on July 25th. Jericho explained on his latest episode of Talk is Jericho that he was there in Richmond, Virginia to film Season 2 of WWE Network's Southpaw Regional Wrestling and record an interview with Breezango for his podcast, but he got talked into doing more. Jericho said, that's actually why I'm here today, was to film the show Southpaw and to talk to you guys. Now I've gotten roped into having a match. In his surprise appearance, of course, Jericho interrupted a segment between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Shane McMahon ended up booking a triple threat match with Owens, United States Championship on the line. Styles went over, won the title in the bout. Uh, Jericho has been away from the WWE touring with his band Fozzie and pursuing other career opportunities. So for those of you who thought that was a return, apparently not. It was fine. It closed the book on that story. And, you know, it's it's Jericho. So yeah, him him bombing in and out is nothing new. <laughs> uh, Road Dog, who works behind the scenes of SmackDown Live, is actually the creative writer, head writer on SmackDown Live, uh, apparently wants NXT wrestler Sarah Logan on his show. On Twitter, WWE posted a video profile on Logan, who is a competitor in the Mae Young Classic. Road Dog saw the video and tweeted the following, saying, quote, I want this competitor on SD Live retweet and let him know um it's interesting that he singled out sarah logan with all that talent and and crazy mary dobson's been a tremendous female talent uh but it is surprising to me that he picked him he picked her as the one person he wants given that she's given gotten very little tv time right yeah i mean there's there's a lot to choose from but i mean there's a lot of talent on there um, you know, maybe if they call her up, maybe we'll get Liv Morgan on TV again. Who knows? Well, she hasn't been on NXT in months either, so you know, she should be doing something. She was at a live event working. I think she did a six-man, six-person tag, uh, teaming with Naomi and Becky. So maybe she is coming up. Who knows? Uh, somebody else who is on the move. 
Looks like John Hennigan, a.k.a. Johnny Morrison or Johnny Mundo, will debut on Impact Wrestling in the near future, and he did tonight. I'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, the former WWE superstar was scheduled to appear at StocktonCon 2017, an annual pop culture convention taking place on the 19th and 20th in the Stockton area in Stockton, California. However, due to his contractual agreement with Global Force, he is now unable to attend the event. StocktonCon made the announcement earlier this week on Twitter and Facebook saying, we're very sorry to announce that due to a contractual agreement with GFW Impact Wrestling at The Real Morrison is unable to attend StocktonCon. It coincides with... I love that. I love this story because the the Hardy Boys signed with WWE and defended the Raw Tag Team Championships in an independent that they agreed to before signing a contract. And Johnny Mundo signs with GFW and they're like, nope, fuck you. You can't go to any of your, your dates. Well... Uh, Look, so uh, I don't really need to get into a ton of the rest of the story, but the point of it is that one event is in California, the other's in Orlando. It's not like if they're on the same day, the same weekend, it's not like he could just go, okay, I'll do the convention and then fly to, you know, it it would have been really difficult to pull that off. So plus maybe he uh, didn't want to give up any of a percentage to GFW for appearing at the convention because that's apparently what they take now. Oh, yeah, that's what they take. All right. Um, but in any event, in a, in a bit of breaking news, if you will, he did appear on the show tonight. Uh, apparently, it was imperative that he skip the convention so that he could be in a pre-taped interview segment where he announced he would appear soon under the name Johnny Impact. Oh, my I God. I shit you not. <sighs> that was nice knowing you. Uh, Angelina Love is gone from Global Force Wrestling. The former Knockouts champion announced via Twitter that she has requested her release from GFW, and it was granted. This comes after GFW granted her husband, Davey Richards, his release last month so that he could pursue a medical career. One of the founding members of the Knockouts division, Angelina, started with the company in 2007. She went on to be f- to form the beautiful people with Velvet Sky and hold champ- Knockouts championships a record six times, along with Gail Kim. And in January, she returned to the company for her fifth stint, aligning herself with Richards in a feud with Eddie and Alicia Edwards. The feud ended last month at Slammiversary when Eddie and Alicia beat Davey and Angelina in a full Metal Mayhem match. Um, Angelina was always one of my favorite knockouts to watch, and and she had kind of the complete package. Uh, Her her team with Velvet Sky was excellent. It was cutting edge. It was brand new. Uh, it was very quickly mimicked with Lay Cool by the WWE. So if you want to talk about the sincerest form of, fla- of flattery, uh, WWE ripped their shit directly off and turned it into a huge angle on their TV as well. So Angelina Love certainly a pioneer in the women's revolution, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can't say anything better. Uh, beautiful People was a great group. And they were, in fact, beautiful. Except for the Lacey Von Eric part, that. You know, I like Lacey Von Eric. As eye candy, yes. As a wrestler, well... Oh, no, as a wrestler, she's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> she should have probably gone the same way that her, her parents did. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Not everything is new on this that? edition of The Rundown, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, pretty much the same. It's always the same. <laughs> Speaking of GFW, the unified GFW World Heavyweight Champion Alberto El Patron has been stripped of his title, according to a statement from the company. The move was made due to the recent domestic incident at an Orlando airport with Page. While Patron did engage in, in, 
engage in questionable behavior behavior with Page that day. He was cleared by police after they confirmed that Page could still be charged. GFW suspended Alberto back on July 12th and has not worked for the company since. It was believed that his suspension would end with Thursday's live Destination X special from Orlando. Um, it did not. Uh, Patron took to social media and issued a statement say uh, on being stripped with the title saying, my company, Impact, and I have come to an agreement that it's best for both parties if I be stripped of the championship. I came up with a suggestion just to show that Impact doesn't have favorites and everyone gets treated the same. Apologies to fans and my brothers and sisters in the company. Uh, even though I came, ooh, even though I came, ugh, even though I came out all clear and there was no wrongdoing, it was still a scandal. So thanks for your support. Let's move forward more positively. One day I will hope to be your champ again. Um, tonight on the show, I haven't seen how the whole thing played out before we came down here. Uh, Pritchard came out, announced they had stripped him of the title and wished him the best of luck in his future endeavors. So I'm not sure he's going to be their champion again. It doesn't sound like he will ever be wrestling for that company again. Yeah. He was going to, uh, to give the title back to Bobby Lashley. Cause that's, and that's that the point, default that is... position of, of GFW and TNA. We don't know what to do with our champion. Ah, fuck it. Put it on Lashley. Right. But that was when um, uh, Cornette came out and said that, you know, they're not going to give everybody a, a free vacation to come in here. And they announced it's going to be a 20 man gauntlet match for the championship. That's well, better than handing the guy the belt. Yeah. But then if uh, if John Morrison wins the belt, Johnny Impact, you mean? Then you're. Sorry, whatever. <laughs> I'm not calling him John. I'm not calling him Johnny Impact because it's a dumb name. Sounds like a poor name, doesn't it? Of course it does. <laughs> So did Johnny Nitro yeah. though, but Johnny Nitro did, yeah. I mean, at least at least Mor or Morrison sounded a little bit better because he was kind of, you know, uh -huh. he was supposed to be like John Morrison. Right. But Johnny Mundo was fine too because it it, it fit the right. character exactly. Uh, the Dirty Sheets podcast is reporting that WWE officials haven't pushed Mike Kanellis too hard because he arrived at the company in, quote, less than stellar physical shape. Uh, Kanellis, who formerly wrestled on the independent circuit and in TNA as Mike Bennett, debuted at Money in the Bank without much fanfare. Many fans have questioned the booking of Kanellis since his debut, with some even branding him a jobber. WWE execs are just not high on Kanellis because of the shape he arrived in, especially after he convinced them to put him on the main roster instead of NXT. Behind the scenes, Canales is perceived as lazy and complacent. One person told in WWE told Dirty Sheets Mike signed two months before he came in, and it looks like he just sat on his couch. The company doesn't get it. He's one of the guys who said it's his dream to be here, and he doesn't even get in shape for it. Um, I, I've been on shows that Mike's been on. I know people who have worked with Mike. I know people who have been trained with Mike. Uh, lazy and complacent is not anything I've ever heard used to describe Mike Bennett. Uh, if anything, the guy works his ass off, busts his ass. He's a, he's a gym rat. He's in there constantly. I don't put any credence to this support, this report. This entirely strikes me as we talked about earlier, somebody making some shit up to make a reason for something they don't understand. Um, I don't understand the booking of him either. I don't feel like, but I sort of feel like they didn't bring him in to be a main eventer. They brought him in to be a mid-carder. Uh, you want to tell me Ty Dillinger's out of shape? Because he's getting the same fucking treatment. So I, I I don't put much behind this. Right. And and I don't either because I've seen the guy. And he looks great. So that's definitely not the case. You know? And if and Daniel Bryan was a champion and he had a gut. So. But would you fuck you him, know, Troy? It's, 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> For sure. You know, and and like it like we said before, yeah, it's it it strikes as something where it just it feels like somebody trying to come up with a reason why, you know, why this is happening, why he's not getting pushed. And in actuality, it's probably just because they don't know what to do with him. Right. Yet. They're still developing the character a little bit too. I mean, they, they, the problem is, is the same problem they have with American Alpha. You can't develop a character if you can't find TV time for him. Right. And then they become just another just another guy. And then you eventually release them because you say they couldn't get over. Well, you can't get over yeah. if you're never on fucking TV. But that is true. In any event, uh, Paige and Alberto El Patron appeared at a former San Antonio Spur Malik Rose's bowling charity event in San Antonio, Texas, on Monday night. And local news reporter, some fucking chick, uh, caught up with the absent WWE superstar. Hernandez asked Paige when she thinks she'll return to WWE television. And she said, quote, hopefully within the next couple of months, fingers crossed. Uh, now I have to get cleared by WWE doctors. Paige has been out with neck injury since June of 2016. So uh, do we really see the possibility of Paige returning to this company at this point? Or is there just too much water under that bridge? Boy, I don't know. I mean, the the more and more trouble that she and, and Alberto get into, the more I say there's no fucking way. But, boy, anything can happen. I mean, a com- I mean it, it, go ahead. A company that has no real qualms about being image conscious in GFW just stripped Alberto of their title and basically told him on public television, go fuck yourself. Uh, but yet a company that cares about their image over and above everything else in the WWE is going to bring back Paige after all this stuff. Yeah, I'm not even talking about the sex tapes and that stuff because that's not really her fault. But stuff like being involved in domestic battery and yelling about cocaine in the middle of an airport doesn't strike me as very WWE friendly. Well, plus she's going to have to get tested again. And I don't know that she can piss clean right now. So, And it really is a tragedy, you know, it, I'll tell you that much. It is because you know Paige. I I was a huge Paige supporter in NXT, and when she came up to the main roster, I thought that they did a great job with her character, and then they stopped doing a great job with her character, and the anti diva became just another diva, and at that point, then everyone else was kind of passing her by. And then once we started to hear about more and more of her issues, you know, then then the whole Del Rio thing too, it it just it's spiraling out of control. And this is somebody who's still what twenty three. Yeah somewhere around those that case and th- this this might be it for her you know she still obviously has has her carny family to go back to if she does get fired but i don't know that she'll ever make it back to WWE because she might have burned too many bridges at this point well, it's funny you hear about these women like aj lee and Paige, who tell you constantly that this was what this was their dream since they were a little girl was to be wwe yeah. champions and they get there and they walk away from that opportunity to follow some dude. And it's just sad. Yep. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, on the latest edition of ENC's Pod of Awesomeness, which you have, if you haven't checked out yet, I suggest you should because it's an entertaining listen. Uh, they had Drew McIntyre on, and Edge revealed that he once considered wrestling for TNA. Uh, after Christian talked about leaving WWE for TNA in 2005, the Rated R superstar mentioned that TNA made him a contract offer when his deal with WWE was set to expire in either 2008 or 2009. He can't remember the exact year. Saying, quote, there were some things in TNA that I found intriguing, including the lighter schedule, Christian being there, and the opportunity to wrestle new opponents like Joe and AJ Styles. 
but at the end, at the end of the day, the WWE was his home, and he was an established main eventer. He felt the company had put faith in him, and he owed them. Uh, would have been really interesting to see Edge and TNA and how that would have played out. Would he have been Edge Cage? Would he have been what? Oh, because uh, he couldn't go by Edge. But would he have been Edge Cage? Edge Impact. He was still been Christian K. Christian Cage's brother? Could be. Who knows? It's possible. Ooh. Or maybe Christian. Edge Impact would or, be fun. Or maybe Christian would have become Christian Copeland. Ooh, there you go. Still have the double C's. Yeah, there you go. Still could play Captain Charisma and the whole gimmick. Yeah. Uh, this is one just for you, Troy. Brie Bella recently did an interview with From the Top Row Podcast and indicated that her husband, Daniel Bryan, is still looking at ways to return to the ring. Brie also went on to say that Brian has been undergoing hyperbaric oxygen therapy and has already undergone so a thing. <laughs> and has already undergone 40 treatments and that she would support him should he retur- choose to return to the ring saying quote I told Brian you do have a daughter so always remember that but if the doctors finally give you the green light I say go this is your dream and passion you have one life to live and I will never hold you back because I love to wrestle and I would hate if someone told me you can't do it and if the WWE doesn't allow it then I said go somewhere else it's all on you obviously we would love to be able to get back in the WWE ring but I know for a fact my husband is going to find his way back to a ring he honestly is Uh, given all that Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter stated it is pretty much a lock uh, sorry pretty much looks like a lock that Brian will be wrestling again next year but it remains to be seen whether it's with the WWE New Japan Ring of Honor or someone else in terms of WWE he would it would all depend on whether Dr. Joseph Maroon would clear him to return something which Maroon has publicly stated he will never do uh, sounds like Brie Bell is looking forward to being a widow it's a bad position that she's in because what is she supposed to do is she supposed to turn around and say, I never want to see him wrestle again? Well, then you've got a bunch of angry fans giving her fucking death threats. Or does she say, I want him to be happy and do what he loves and support him? Well, that's probably the better choice, even if she does have her qualms about it. This is what she's saying publicly. I don't believe this is what she's saying behind closed doors. I think that there's a, a lot more to this conversation. And I think it's a lot of like, hey, you know, I want you to be happy because I love you. Um, I'm, I'm worried about you. She does throw in there, you know, we have a daughter together. Like, just remember that, like what's, what's more important. So she, she, she doesn't go balls deep, but she's definitely, you know, halfway up. (laughs) It's like I said, it's one of those things. What do you expect her to do? I mean, she's got to support her husband. I guess. All right. That is going to do it for this week on the news section. And uh, I am making a executive decision here and i'm going to say we don't have time to do the uh discussion topic this week Ooh, adam's gonna get mad <laughs> well adam left the show so it's our fucking call now yeah that's true all right let's get over to our picks. let's now. do it all right so take over brooklyn three we have johnny wrestling johnny gargano versus andrade cien almost with zelina vega this is interesting because i think they're starting for the first time to really kind of make andrade almost an interesting character i think adding zelina vega has been uh very uh helpful to his character uh but johnny gargano's a star johnny gargano is going to be one of their top guys he's got to win his first real major singles match so what was your pick uh, gargano Gargano. Okay. Um, I 
I'm going with almost really? because I think that they, I, I'm going with almost as a as a cheating way though with some some shenanigans. And maybe Tommaso shows up and costs Gargano. Hey, that's that's possible. All right, uh, then we have Mr. Alistair Black versus Hideo Itami. And uh, this one could be the match that steals the show at TakeOver. Uh, these two have very similar martial arts backgrounds in terms of their style in the ring. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of near falls, a lot of suddenness. But I'm going to go with Alistair Black. I can't see anybody derailing that train just yet. Yeah, might as well sweep that one because I don't see Hideo winning this one either. I'm going black. And once you go black, you never <laughs> All right. The NXT tag belts are on the line as the authors of pain defended against Sanity. And we don't officially know which members of Sanity it's going to be yet, do we? I mean, they've sort of put up Killian Dane and uh, Alexander Wolf, but they've also started to mix in Eric Young in the last couple shows. So I, I don't know what the... well. Yeah, and, and Young just came back, so um, I mean, I, I would assume they they would freebird it if they do win it. Uh, spoiler alert: I'm not picking them to win it. So, <laughs> oh, we're gonna disagree on that one um, as well. I'm gonna go with uh, Sanity here uh, because I think it is gonna be time for Authors of Pain to move up, and I think they need to drop those titles. And you think that they're going to debut against the Fashion Police <laughs> <laughs> and right? destroy them in about two minutes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the NXT Women's Championship is on the line as Asuka takes on Ember Moon. And uh, I rescind my previous comment. I think this is the match that's going to steal the show. I think these two are going to tear the house <laughs> down, uh, and I think we're finally going to see the, the crowning of Ember Moon as the new NXT flag bearer for the women's division so that Asuka can move up to the next uh, to the main roster. This is when I was talking about kind of a changing of guard. This is one of two matches that I think needs to go uh, um, go a certain way, and I think it is time for Oscar to lose, because otherwise, at this point now, we're, we're too far into it where we're starting to stifle the women a mm-hmm. little bit. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you in saying that it's Ember Moon's turn. And our main event of the evening, the NXT Championship on the line as Bobby Roode <laughs> takes on Drew McIntyre. I personally don't want to see Drew McIntyre win the belt um, because I think Bobby is doing some good work. Um, I th- and and if they're going to take it off Asuka, I don't think they're going to take it off of Rude. So I think that uh, Rude hangs on to it for, for a little bit longer. I was convinced they were going to put it on McIntyre for the longest time um, until last week when they started to rebuild the Roddy and uh, Bobby Roode thing. I think this is going to continue for at least another takeover with some sort of a triple threat next time maybe with the three of them. Uh, and I feel like in order to get there, Roode has to keep the title. Uh, I think I know a lot of people are counting the days till Bobby Roode debuts on the main roster, but I think they might have to wait a little bit longer because uh, I think Bobby Roode's holding on to the title. All right. Well, we only differ on two matches, so that should be interesting. All right, so then we. Oh, have can I make one uh, prop bet for uh, NXT Takeover? Sure. What you do got? we see? Adam Cole, baby. I think we see Adam Cole in the crowd. Okay. Do you think he gets in the ring, 
I just meant on. Do we see him on camera at the show? I think we see him on camera. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. That's not really proper. (laughs) Well, we both agree on it. (laughs) Well, now it is, but. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, emanating from the exact same arena, we have SummerSlam, a bloated fucking card. So let's get it off. It's a four-hour card with a two-hour pre-show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking six hours of SummerSlam because in WWE, more is more. Yep. So starting things off on the Mountain Dew Kickstart show, we have Akira Tozawa taking on Neville for the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, I think we both pretty much laid this one out earlier. This only made sense if it's to get the title back on Neville, so... Right, and he gets to be a two-time champion then. Yeah. Uh, also, for whatever godly reason, on on the pre-show, the Hardy Boys and my Black Son take on the Miztourage. Of course, Jason Jordan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Jordan pins Miz here. I think that's to this match probably exists only to further that storyline. So. All right, uh, I'm going to agree with you. The Miztourage seems like they're put together just to uh, to to job. So. And finally, we have the New Day defending the SmackDown Tag Team belts against the Oozles. And I think that the Oozles take it back. See, I'm leaning in that direction as well because this story ends if New Day wins again. There's nothing left to do for the Usos if they don't win the titles here. Um, right. Trying to, if you go through the roster on SmackDown, who else is left? Although. If I believe my own story that the authors of Pain are coming in, they would probably feud with the New Day over the Uso. All right, I'm going to go with the New Day. Okay. Talk to yourself into it. All right, we've got John Cena versus the Big Breakfast Baron Corbin in what has now turned into a grudge match. <laughs> uh, I am going to say uh, I was going to go with Cena right up until – SmackDown, I'm going to go with Corbin now. I think this is where they kind of start to rebuild him after that, you know, sort of very public uh, embarrassment on SmackDown. Uh, And I also think he's going to do some sort of horrible attack to Cena that's going to have him out for an extended period of time because, you know, Transformers and all. I don't think they're filming that yet. Um, if, If word is true that Cena is going over to Raw, um, I think that he would probably request to do it on his back. So I'm going to say that Corbin goes over. No, here. no, no. He just buries people. He doesn't put them over. I'm not Sal. All right. Boy, why, baby? Takes on the demon, demon, demon king, king, demon, demon king, king, king dong. King dong himself, Finn Balor. Takes on Bray Wyatt. Who do you got? Uh, got to be the demon. Again, we saw Wyatt get the clean victory on Raw. That just sort of kill Balor if he loses with the demon persona in place. You ruin him. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, you you do ruin him. Uh, I'm going to also go with the demon king king uh, to uh, to beat Wyatt because Wyatt doesn't win matches. So <laughs> He's won a lot lately. <laughs> I know. All right, and we have the Enzo on a pole match as the Big Show takes on Big Cass. Who gives a fuck? Uh, I'm actually going to say that this is where we see Enzo and Big Cass get back together. Yeah, that was what I said from the beginning. Same thing. Enzo's going to turn on Big Show here. Yeah. 
Now, do we think, let's do a prop bet on this. Does Enzo drop a weapon or a deuce from the cage? Yes. <laughs> All right, so Enzo's going to shit on Big Show. No, 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 he's going to shit on the weapon, then drop it. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, and the piss break match. Randy Orton takes on Rusev. Randy's lost a lot. He's put over a lot of people, and there doesn't seem to be any interest in a push for Rusev at this point. They're just kind of using him to put other guys over. Uh, so, <sighs> Jesus, this is a tough one. Um, fuck it. I'll go Rusev. All right. I'm actually going to say Randy just because of the fact that uh, Rusev is now the new Dolph Ziggler. My head says Randy. My heart says Rusev. So. What does your cock say? Uh, Lana. Um, <laughs> well, I, I said I said recently I'm gonna start to I'm I'm gonna stop trying to pick what I think they're gonna do and just base it on what I would do. So I would have Rusev go over. Fair enough. All right, and uh, the Shane McMahon match featuring AJ Styles and Kevin Owens defending the U.S. belt. Uh, it. Uh, I'm. It, I'm going Styles. Yeah. yeah, AJ's gonna win. Owens is gonna get cost a match by Shane. Probably give him a pop up power bomb afterwards, and we're off and running towards Team Owens versus Team McMahon at Survivor Series. All right, and uh, who I don't know who put this in here. I'm not calling that. Sheamus and Cesaro put the WWE Raw Tag Team Titles on the line against the Fist Brothers. I put that in there because that's their name, Dublin <laughs> 07. Their name is. <sighs> Right, it beats the shit out of the sh uh, fucking bullshit mosh of names that Adam likes to call them. Uh, in any event, yeah. Ambrose and Rollins are going to take the tag titles here. Seamus right. is going off to film a movie, so. Oh, that is true. Yes, I, I forgot that that was that wasn't in our news. Yep, Seamus is going off to film a movie, and the Fist Brothers uh, fisted each other, so they should be uh, extra fisty. So we should be good on that. Um, that's so weird because. A member, somebody who's not in our show, keeps showing up on the uh, the rundown rundown. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, <laughs> um, for the WWE Championship is on the line as Jinder Mahal with the Singh Brothers takes on Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, okay, so we talked about this earlier. You think that Jinder's holding on to this title? Is what you said earlier. Uh, I disagree. I think Nakamura is winning the title here. I think they're going to get that big moment with everybody singing a song. Uh, and probably get footage of everybody singing his song as they leave the arena. And the reason I say that is because they are very soon going over on a tour of India, and I think on that tour in India, Jinder's going to win the title back. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Jinder retaining uh, via shenanigans. Evil shenanigans. Uh, maybe a re-debuting Dolph Ziggler. I don't know. All right, the Raw, the Raw Women's Championship is online as Alexa Bliss takes on the boss, Sasha Banks. It's boss time! Yeah, the thing I love about this match is that I really have no idea which way it goes, and I know that these girls legitimately don't like each other. Um, just mm -hmm. goes to show you, you can dislike somebody in this business and work great matches with them, because these two had a great match the last time out. Uh, I think they're even going to up their game this time. I think this has to be the moment for Sasha to get the big, big win. Um. Otherwise, I don't see what you do with it. They've already sort of set in place a great storyline with Sasha winning and, and refusing to kind of give the shot to Bailey, which I think is where we're going to go down the line. Uh, but on this night, I'm going to pick Sasha to win the title. 
All right, I'm actually gonna go with Bliss. Oh. So that this can lead to uh, to Nia Jax finally getting her shot, uh, simply because of the fact that I think that the the plan was for Sasha to win the belt and then for Bailey to go at it, but nobody likes Bailey anymore, so fuck her. So I'm gonna go with Bliss. All right, in another piss break match, Naomi defends her championship against Natalia. <sighs> Naomi's gonna win. Should just uh, make sure at this point put in some farts on it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and sweep that one as Naomi, and in what actually might be one of the hardest matches to call, what's gonna happen? The Universal Championship is defended in a four-way match with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman. Okay. I said earlier I'm booking this the way I would do it, not the way I necessarily think they will. So here's what I do during the match, the we get Owens, we, sorry, we get Ambrose and uh, Rollins coming out. They do the triple powerbomb spot on Strowman to take him out of the match. Strowman becomes the sympathetic face for getting screwed over. Uh, they end up costing, because there's no disqualification in the Fatal 4-Way, they take Brock out and uh, Roman pins Samoa Joe. You have a heel shield faction reunited. Uh, so when it looks like you're going to get the face shield with Owens and, well, sorry, I keep saying Owens, uh, Rollins and Ambrose. And then they, later on in the show, you find out that they're actually aligned as a heel stable with Roman. Uh, very similar to what they did with China, Triple H and Kane a few years ago at a SummerSlam. Uh, and this is going to set up down the road, Balor and the club versus the shield. Uh, sadly, I act to actually agree with you. I, I was thinking that too, that we were going to get the shield reunited in the main event here. Um, I don't know that it, it's, it's the, the club that joins up with them, but that's very possible because if we are losing our, our top heel tag team with uh, Dublin 07, we, you know, turn, turning Ambrose and Rollins heel allows you to, you know, to use some other guys in that, that thing and turn the good brothers face if you wanted to. Right. Which, uh, and the prop bet, uh, the the prop bet, will Carmella cash in? I would have said no, but the fact that they got the briefcase out of Corbin's hand, but ultimately, I can't see them doing both of them that close together. I think they want one to drag out a little bit longer, uh, and I, they haven't gotten the uh, toy belts for Naomi yet. So my guess yeah. is Naomi's going to keep it. So I would say no, Carmella does not cash in. All right. I think for sure we are getting a, um, a a tease of it, but I think that it will set up a feud, maybe with having like Becky interrupt the the cash in or something like that. So I'm thinking no as well. All right. And, do we want to uh, do Adam's voicemail? With, Fuck it. Let's just listen to it. All right. Well, now I now I, I, I don't want him so to cry later. It was my first Hold week on. off the show, and you made me call in, and you didn't play it. You know. <laughs> We oh, may not answer right. his question, but we can at least play it. Still wants to be a part of the show. You see how this works? He's thirsty, Troy. He's thirsty as hell. Yep, I saw him. I saw him pop in on the rundown. Rundown. Oh, did he? I didn't see that. All right. Yeah. Hey guys, my name is Adam. Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, no, no, seriously. Uh, before I get to the discussion topic this week, because apparently I won the fantasy league somehow. Two weeks ago. Um, 
recovery from his health issues that he's been having over the past uh, the past few days. So, kick ass, Nature Boy. Elsewhere, the discussion topic for this week's program. Uh, given the current uh, roster situation on Raw and SmackDown, before any kind of dumb superstar shakeup they plan on doing in the next couple weeks, given that the next uh, major pay-per-view is the Survivor Series in November, given that they are probably going to do a brand versus brand Survivor Series match again. What is your ideal Raw uh, roster and SmackDown roster for a five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match, brand versus brand? Again, given the rosters as they are right now, going into SummerSlam. Uh, Finally, before I go, uh, that Baron Corbin thing was bullshit, and you know it. Thanks. Bye. Well, uh, we've already—I've already proven Adam wrong in that last statement, so we're not going to go there. Uh, we'll talk about uh, when teams of five strive to survive at the Survivor Series. Jeez, uh, this was something I should have had some uh, prep time to do. But off the top of my head, your Raw team has to have your. your let's, let's be real. Your champions have to be on this team if you're talking about the best five versus the best five. So uh, that means you're putting the Miz on on the Raw side. You're putting. I'm going to say Roman Reigns because, like I said, I think Roman Reigns is winning the title at SummerSlam. So Roman and The Miz are already on the roster. Uh, I think you've got to put Joe on there. I think you got to put Braun on there. Uh, you're not going to put Brock on there because, you know, he's Brock. Uh, and I think Kurt Angle would throw his son in that last spot just because, you know, nepotism. Uh, so that would be the five I would go with, or I think they would go with, I should say. Uh, the SmackDown side would probably be, Jesus, well, we're going to go champions. And again, I have Nakamura winning that match. So Nakamura, I have, who's my U.S. champ? AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, and Baron Corbin. Fair enough. Uh, I would say for the Raw side, The Shield and The Hardys. And for the SmackDown side, um, The New Day. And I would probably say Juan Cena and Shinsuke. This just in, I just got a breaking news alert from Twitter, Troy. Uh, Apparently, what do we have here? Uh, OK Cupid has banned white supremacists from their dating service. Oh, which means well, that's not very there's nice. big money in a white supremacist dating service somewhere. So if you're an internet uh, developer, get on that shit. Yeah, there you white go. supremacists need love too, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs love. If there's a fucking farmerslove.com or yeah. anything like that, Christian Mingle, Farmers yeah. Only. This this one for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and take it to your local indie news. Or not so much news, but... Put some plugs in your asshole. uh, Yeah, let's put some plugs in that ass. And that is the new tagline. BCW Summer Sizzle is Friday, August 18th at the Columbus Club in West Allis. So if we can get this out tonight, it will be tomorrow. Or if you listen to this Friday, get your tickets now because the show's tonight. Head to BrewCityWrestling1.com to save money on tickets. The card so far is Sierra will take on Evil Discs again, but this time with special referee Frankie DeFalco. A tag team grudge match between the Heathens, the Brew City Bruiser, 
and Cahagas take on Max Holiday and Russ Jones. In a rematch from May's BCW Retribution, AIWF Women's Champion Midwest Slayer Stacy Shadows takes on the Golden Goddess Lena DeOro. GFW star Marsh Rocket, I guess that's a thing. Whatever, I don't give a fuck. He's going to be re- released soon. Uh, we'll take on uh, we'll take on Mr. Swagnificent J- Jared Jax. And the BCW tag titles are on the line as Hardcore Impact, which is Hardcore Craig and Polly Dom- Tomaselli, take on Onyx Andretti and His Holiness Sean Priest. I got very excited. I thought it was going to be Hardcore Holly and Johnny Impact. Uh, that would be for great. For a moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for some middle-of-the-week wrestling action, you can check out UFO Wrestling Big Bang 2017 as we return to the Malden Irish American Club on Wednesday night, August 23rd. Doors will open at 7 p.m. for a special meet-and-greet. Tickets are $12 general admission. Reserved front row seats are available on advanced purchase only. All other tickets are first-come, first-serve. This card is pretty stacked. Uh, it's going to be headlined by UFO Heavyweight Championship being defended as the kingpin Brian Malonis takes on the dirty daddy Chris Dick. Dickinson, UFO tag team title is going to be on the line as Bo Douglas and Josh Briggs look for a measure of revenge after being sneak attacked and sucker punched by the cool people last time at UFO Wrestling. Uh, Teddy Goods is going to take on Ilya Markopoulos in a battle of two of the best unsigned talents in the New England area. The selfie-made man Vern Vicalo is going to take on Impact Wrestling star Robbie E., uh, an intergender match is going to pit Davian versus Josh Briggs. We're also going to have on the show Furio Falcone, Aaron Amadeus, Benny Jux, and much, much more. That is this Wednesday night, UFO Wrestling, August 23rd. Well, if you're a Josh Briggs fan, you're getting a double Absolutely, and you should, if you're not a Josh Briggs fan, you should be because that kid's going to get signed in the not-too-distant future. He's got all the tools. And I'm going to try to get him on the sit-down before he gets signed so that I can't be told by another person <laughs> that I worked with that he, they can't do it. There you go. What's going on over at uh, APW? At APW, uh, three days later, I'm going to be very busy that week. Uh, Saturday night, August 26th at the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley, 18 Maple Street, Salisbury, Massachusetts. We have a very special night because... Belmont is going to return to the ring. It's been a while. She had a lot of personal issues. Uh, She had to vacate the championship. And as a result, she took some time away from the professional wrestling business. But she is triumphantly making her return on this night. And we are very, very pleased to have her back. We also had this week some real big match announcements. As our main event for that night is going to feature the kingpin, Brian Malonis, teaming up with the man who took the championship from him, the juggernaut, John Poe, as they take on the picture-perfect family. Going to be some combination of the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, perfect Dan Terry, or slam dance Tim Lennox. They're going to have Uncle Eddie in their corner. The APW New England Championship is going to be on the line as Xavier Bell takes on Buddy Romano. Uh, We're also going to see the APW Tag Team Championship as the Tenacious Two take on the Main State Posse. And the women's championship going to be defended as Vanity Vixen takes on Adira with Uncle Eddie. Also appearing on the show, I mentioned Belmont making her return. We're going to have the Hampton Beach bad boy Hunter Ward, the dynasty Bo Douglas, the Canadian legend Matt Loudon with John Fabulous, Cousin Larry, Setherin, and the unequaled one Todd Sobel. So much more. $12 at the door. Advanced tickets are $10. You can reserve front row seats for $15. Uh, check out AtlanticProWrestling.com slash products to purchase your tickets. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the bell time is at 
All right. Well, if you're in the Peabody, Massachusetts area, which I am not, check out Liberty State <laughs> Wrestling as they present Heard You Missed Us, We're Back. Really? That's that's the name you came up with? Uh, Saturday, September 9th from the Joan McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. Main event is the Liberty State's heavyweight championship match between Christian Casanova as he defends against Dynamite Danny Miles. Todd Sopel will be defending his No Limits title in an open challenge. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of limits to that match, though. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is where Adam uh, goes, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. Uh, Josh Briggs, yet again getting around, is going to take on Xavier Bell. Also appearing, and I'm sorry if I butcher these names. That's Ilya, Ilya Markopoulos. Ilya Markopoulos, the fabulous Johnny Vegas, Mike Russell, Robo the Punjabi Lion, the clinic Chris James, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, Setherin with Vanity Vixen, and Deal Hurst, and many, many more. Tickets are just $10 for general admission. Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time at 7. Head over to Lucky, uh, Lucky, sorry, LibertyStatesWrestling.com. I'm reading the next one down. Already <laughs> I'm trying to read that. LibertyStatesWrestling.com for more information. And if you are in the Clinton Messages area, which I will never be in, check out Lucky Pro Wrestling as they present Fall Frenzy. It's Saturday, October 14th from the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Get lucky. Already signed for the first time ever, the LPW tag titles will be on the line in a last team standing match as the Aristocrats defend against the heavy hitters. And this is the hitters' last chance at tag team gold in LPW. And as we know, in wrestling, when you have one final chance, that is always going to be your final chance. You will never get another chance. You will never, ever, ever get another chance. So make sure to see if the hitters can actually get get the titles or if this will be the last time we ever see them. In a match for the tag titles, they'll, they'll get another chance. Also announced, Brick Mastone will defend the Hard Knocks Championship against Cam Zagami. And a return of the fan favorite, Halloween Battle Royale. Uh, I don't know why he did not put a, a uh, internet, what is it called, Web website for Lucky Pro Wrestling, but I'm assuming that uh, you know it off the top of your head. Uh, I believe it's LuckyProWrestling.com. All right, go check that out for more information on that. You can certainly check them out at Lucky Pro Wrestling on Facebook. So there you go, and that will do it. But wait a second, we don't have. See, I don't know if he purposely did it just to fuck with my gimmick, but we don't have any Elks on fire. I'm gonna assume he did because that is not in here. So, uh, but that's okay because we got it in now. <laughs> just like Paige. All right, so that does it for the rundown. For I was gonna say Thursday. just like prom night, oh, okay. but okay, that works too. <laughs> There you go. August 17th, 2017 has been 503 days since Asuka won the NXT Women's Championship. And because that's ridiculous to keep going off of that, I also threw in here that it's also been 137 days since Brock Lesnar and Naomi won their respected championships. Go to audibletrial.com slash rundown for a free audiobook and a three, sorry, for a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. Yes, that's a new thing with this new edition of the rundown. We have gotten you an audible trial. So you go there, you subscribe to it, you get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. It's never been done before on this show. We're very excited to bring this to you. That's right. It's also something that no other podcast will offer you ever. Uh, check us out on Twitter at rundownpodcast.com to go over there right now to see Baron Corbin with crying Jordan on his chest. Uh, email the show rundownwrestling at gmail.com. That that website or that uh, email address is empty right now. So send us your shit. Leave Put us a some voicemail. shit in our box is what we're there saying. There you go. There you go. Put some shit in our box. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail like Sal and Adam did at 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. Head on over to Facebook and find us Rundown Wrestling. 
or go to YouTube Rundown Podcast or search on YouTube for Adam Rundown Host, which I don't know why he named it that, not Rundown Podcast, but whatever. Because <laughs> uh, it's all about you, him, Troy. That's right. Uh, if you feel like giving Adam some money, even though he's not on the show anymore, go to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling to make donations. Uh, it costs Adam, uh, I'm not going to say that anymore because it doesn't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you are feeling a little backed up and need a little help, go to tinyurl.com slash distanthorizons to go chase those distant horizons and right. get, a, a, get a chat book written by the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Lister. You're chasing those distant horizons right up your asshole, right? That's right. That's right. It, it it helps it helps move the shit along. We are of course a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Uh, you can also check out questionnetwork.com to to learn all about our different podcasts or check out shadowbane.net. I think he's still updating that at some time. Uh, if you want to donate money to Anna, uh, to Andy because he needs more of it, uh, go to patreon.com/shadowbane. Uh, check out Tuning Japanese on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, if, I guess if you want to give Andy more money, go to patreon.com slash tuning Japanese. You know, Andy can, Andy can <laughs> advertise his fucking fundraisers on his own shows. We'll direct <laughs> you to shadowvane.net and we'll direct you to tuning Japanese on iTunes and Stitcher. We will certainly direct you to our good friend Henry Hugepex, the suplex throwing human duplex at the Raw Attitude podcast. We will direct you, and Troy won't do this because he doesn't want to, well, he probably would you know, toot his own horn. But I'm going to tell you, excellent and humorous reviews of movies and television shows at the Slasher Sanitarium on iTunes and Twitter, the Pwn Stars on iTunes and Podomatic, New Blood Rising on iTunes, and our newest member, although they've been around for a while, Words of Geekdom on iTunes and Stitcher. That's right. Go to uh, questandnetwork.com or go to Twitter at questandnetwork. At, at Quest uh, I don't think they've posted anything recently, though. Also, check out our Discord channel if you are not a pedophile. <laughs> or uh, for, yeah. for, for some reason, we're going to throw in a free plug here for the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, hosted by Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett. Uh, I actually just recently listened to an episode of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, which gave me an idea for us to do a little game coming up here, but we're still working on some of the details. Uh, if you're listening to our show, you probably uh, already subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or Podbean, or Podomatic. Uh, if you hadn't, why the fuck didn't you do that? That's retarded. So should, we that, should we announce the general idea for this thing we've got, and then uh, we'll fill in the blanks later? So the general idea right now is we want to find out what is the best entrance theme around and we decided we're going to do a field of 64 and we're going to do do a, a march madness style brackets where we've got old school wb current wb nxt and what was the other one that you wanted to do wcw we're gonna wcw give, we're gonna give them each their own regions we're gonna have matchups each to each region will have 16 songs the uh, eight there will be eight matchups per region we will continue to go down very similar to the ncaa until we find out who the best uh, theme song of all time is and the best part of it is you will all get to vote we're going to set up some surveys put them on our facebook page you can go on there and pick which songs you want to vote for and the ones that get the most votes will move on in the tournament this is not going to be our opinion this will be the voice of the people determining this that's right and if you have any suggestions on on theme songs that need to be in this tournament to make sure that we don't leave anything out please email the show rundownwrestling at gmail.com or drop us a tweet at rundownpodcast so with that, special thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, also, a nice little little shout-out to Kenny Lockhart for being the only person who decided to get into the uh, what I'm going to now call this week the Lockhart Lounge. 
There you go. And, <laughs> uh, well, see, I so, think we're kind of. I think we kind of got screwed by Adam changing us to Wednesdays, and then you know we changed it back yeah. to Thursdays, and I think it just screwed people up. So hopefully, we'll get the message out that we are back on Thursday nights. That's right. So uh, thank you to Jason for being on the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you to Ray Williams for our logo. And thanks as well to Jason for our brand new theme song that you heard start off the show. Uh, an ever evolving but ever amazing theme song. I hope everyone enjoys it. That's right. Next week, join us again on Thursday around this same time, this same channel, as we bring you a review of SummerSlam and TakeOver as well as Raw and SmackDown well, for the week. We may have a little something special regarding TakeOver. I'm working on it, so I don't want to blow it, put the cat out of the bag, but uh, just stay tuned to the rundown feed. There may be something coming. That's right. And if you haven't already, make sure to check out the rundown sit-down with Jason Rumble, uh, possibly one of the best that uh, Jason has done so far. And it was so good, we had to break it into two parts. So is that yeah. next one coming out on Monday, or will that be the following week? It'll be the following Monday. We release on an every other week schedule with the sit-downs, and just to keep everything going, I'm going to do it that way. But I appreciate it. I've actually gotten some great feedback from that. It's a, it's a very poignant very open very raw and real discussion uh jason talks about a lot of things a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be very open about but he does he brings it all holds nothing back uh takes some shots at some people uh very very honest about his opinions of a lot of people uh so i certainly encourage you to go check it out and give it a listen that's right. And, you know, um, with that one, one especially, not only is he talking about a lot of the different workers, but he is very candid with a lot of the, the drug and alcohol abuse that mm-hmm. he had to suffer through. Uh, it's it's really great to hear how he was able to overcome those and, and become the, the guy he is today. So mm-hmm. make sure to, to give that a listen. Um, and, you know, head on over to uh, iTunes. Give us a, a four-star review because nobody reads five-star reviews. <laughs> and um you know but other than that oh we should also uh, we throw a quick mention out to uh adam's newest edition of nitro mania i believe this week is the big one with the halloween havoc recap with uh henry hugepex uh joining in so i want to uh throw him a quick plug for that uh when is uh any timetable on when nxt revisited is going to be returning to the airwaves of the questionable endeavor network currently i am looking at the second week in september Okay. Um, I'm not. That might have been moved up considering my current situation, but uh, we will see. It uh, it's it's really dependent on when I get some time. Obviously, with with the new baby and everything like that, uh, it uh, it makes it a little difficult. But yeah. I, I I intend to have that show back up and running by at least mid September, uh, as well as uh, I got to get I got a lot of work to do because I'm also bringing us, of course, a glow stick, uh, which will be coming out every Friday. I think is what we decided on there. Um, so, and, and they just got did, renewed for a second season, so you'll have even more to talk about down the road. That's right. That's right. So, uh, really cool things coming down down the pipeline there. If you don't know our release schedule, head on over to facebook.com slash rundown wrestling and see our new banner picture, which is our release schedule. We might have a couple of extra things thrown in there. Obviously, you know, the, the sit down isn't every other week thing, so mm-hmm. we might throw something in on those weeks that the sit down's not in, um, as well as maybe a couple special there, little episodes here and there. So we are, are still a work in progress here on, on the new management side of things, so we don't really have an outro because we're not going to do that super fucking pirate shit that we've been doing this whole entire time. Uh, so tune in next week. Yeah, we will be back to shove more audio in your ear holes and more things. Oh, never mind. You get the, you get the gist. 
See you next Thursday. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salzer. This episode was produced, hosted, and edited by Jason Stewart and co-hosted by Troy Bozen. We are a proud charter member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, plus articles, Twitch streams, and more at questandnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.